0: I believe that life is a quest and we're all heroes on a journey of self-discovery. I'm on a mission to explore my potential, optimize my mind, body and lifestyle and master the game of life. Join me as I seek out some of the best guides and mentors on the planet and unpack their brains for the magical weapons and roadmaps needed to help you reach your potential. My name is Ollie Herman-Taylor, and I am a Torchbearer. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Torchbearer podcast. I'm here today with Johnny Collins. Johnny Collins is an online coach, and he works kind of primarily with men. In a minute, I'm going to let him kind of fill in the blanks and tell you in more detail about what he does. But for now, I'm just Johnny, I want to say welcome to the Talk Trailer podcast. Thank you for joining me.
1: And I want to go straight in with like what gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> That's a good question. For the most part, it's a real passion of where I came from, which was feeling really skinny, kind of being like the runt of the group, which I was, like just like the class clown, real skinny guy. I managed to, after years and years, Path on some size of muscle, and it changed everything for me. It changed my confidence, how masculine I felt. It helped me to, as I put it, dominate life and carry on moving forward. So now, what gets me out of bed is helping any guy that reaches out to me that's in that position, like, take charge. Because otherwise, I know how it feels. He feels stuck. He's tried absolutely everything. He's read every magazine, tried every single thing that that genetically gifted PT has told him to do, and it's not worked. Um, so I take insane pleasure in showing him what is actually possible. There's a lot of misinformation out there and I think you kind of touched on it, you know,
0: uh, with the genetically gifted PT or the people you might see on Instagram, your typical kind of Instagram trainer or things you might read in the magazines and popular media. Following on from the kind of what gets you out of bed in the morning, do you follow any specific morning routine? Like, do you have a fixed routine, like a set of routine of what you do in the morning? And also like, what, what have you experimented with? You know, how have you got to that routine if you do have one?
1: Yeah, I've actually experimented with a lot like a a, a lot of stuff it used to be and i'm sure i've done the same thing that everyone who's got a morning routine though you google people and look into like highly successful people look at their routines and then you kind of think about days where you've performed insanely well and like kind of try and reverse engineer it and dissect what you did and put it all together so it used to be insanely rigid and structured which was good but i've loosened it up a bit now Um, And it changes on on different days because I train at different times, Monday and Wednesday. But typically routine is I'm always up at six, six o'clock every morning I wake up. It used to be five, uh, but now I I value sleep way, way more. I'm trying to sleep as much as possible. So I'm trying to go to bed earlier, um, sometimes a little half hour nap in the day. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so now I get up at six o'clock. As soon as I'm up, I'll neck my water with my vitamins and supplements straight into my office. And I've got what I call a morning book. Um, and in my morning book is just some real enjoyable to read information, a few snippets from books that I like, my affirmations, my personal ones, um, and my kind of business goals that I can look at every morning so I don't fall off track. And it really is that simple. Then come back downstairs, make my partner a brew, take it up to her so she wakes up tonight, hot cup of tea, um, let her out for a wee, and then I'm good. So way, way more relaxed, but still, you know, reading that information, I need to get into my brain first thing. Um And and yeah, that seems to set me up pretty well. So I just want to wind you back to like you
0: neck a glass of water, vitamins and supplements. Mm. What do you take? Obviously, these need to be personalized. You know, there's a case-by-case basis depending on what the person's working towards, what their goals are. But, you know, it's interesting to find out about trainers, people who are getting results for themselves. What
1: do you take personally? Yeah, no, good question. Um, So I always take... D&C is like what I recommend everyone to take, right? We live in, well... We, us two live in England, right? It's uh, it's not that much sunlight. <laughs> We're pretty lucky if we get any vitamin D from the sky. So I always advise taking vitamin C and super, super high strength stuff. People panic a lot about, right? These are fat soluble, so you've got to make sure you only have the recommended daily amount. These are water soluble, so you can have more. Like, take super high doses of vitamin D, okay? Amazing for producing more free testosterone. What are we talking, um, like, super high dose? Like? I, I think, like, 4,000 IU minimum. Um, really, Yeah, really, in, really... In liquid form? Liquid, uh, yeah, just like the little gel capsules. Um, but, you know, however you get it in. It can be quite pricey, um, but it's worth it. It really is, like, such a valuable vitamin. Uh, and then C. C's obviously got tons of benefits. Like, everyone should be taking vitamin C. But mainly... I've heard that it's a really good cortisol regulator and I looked into that more when I was trying to optimize testosterone, so that was a big reason I took it. Um, And then on rest days I'll take creatine, five grams, um, because on training days I'll take it post-workout. On rest days I take the creatine and I also take pine pollen every morning, um, just because I've heard it's a good testosterone booster, as I did with loads of other stuff, but this one I kind of tested myself um as i do with everything like for like two or three months and this is one of the ones where you actively feel the difference so it it steps in the stack pine pollen pine pollen yeah i
0: haven't actually heard of that so what like obviously it's from like a pine tree yeah
1: yeah i mean it's it's uh it's a quite a new like if you if you google pine pollen you'll see a lot of stuff come out but you need to kind of dig deep to find the specific stuff and it's it was using like Chinese medicine, as most of these things do. Um, they've done studies with it, and it's essentially like a little capsule of powder, mm. and you just swallow it. Like Is that. it
0: like an adaptogen?
1: I uh, think so. Okay, cool. That's one I'm going to have to look up, and obviously
0: I'll stick some links to some of these things that Johnny's mentioning in the, the notes for this kind of show what were the appreciable differences so obviously you say you test all of these things for kind of two to three months mm. pine pollen's one that you've identified as giving you benefits like what what did you notice is there something like specific
1: yeah the big i mean this isn't just with supplements with every single thing i do there's a few key things that i keep my eye on and um, the biggest one is mood like how you wake up in the morning if you wake up in the morning and you are highly driven which you should be everyone should be no one should be groggy in the morning you should wake up feeling like you've Really, really well rested, ready to attack the day. So mood's a big one. Uh positivity. People think this comes down to kind of um, you know, what you're doing for the day, if you're doing things that you're enjoying, which is a, a part of it, but it's also a chemical balance, right? If you're eating right and taking the right Vitamins, you're going to feel more positive, more happy. Uh, sex drive, huge one. If your sex drive is is down, you know, you're know you not doing something correctly. Really, really important, to so pay attention to that. And then uh, I analyse every training session, so my gym performance. If I'm seeing, right, this week my lifts have flown up and I have done nothing else differently except for this, I'm going to do this all the time. <laughs> okay, so you basically test loads of stuff, do more of what works, which
0: is a That's nice it. kind of like it's kind of like a low tech philosophy i don't know how you feel about like the biohacking world about like kind of tracking about like endless gadgets and you know essentially your smartphone running your life and you know kind of fitness trackers looking at your stress levels and optimizing your sleep and kind of for me i think that humans we are the technology it kind of sounds weird a lot of people don't get this but we're like amazing. We have 37.2 trillion cells in the average human body, and all of that shit's got to communicate and work together. And it's a kind of, it's basically a bit of a miracle how it all works. And so we don't really need to have endless gadgets to kind of tell us what to do, when to do it, and keep us on track. They, they can certainly help if you have certain specific cases. But I think it's really important to kind of listen to your body and cover the basics. And I think in the world of like technology, we, we get very seduced by the hacks and the advanced, quick fixes and the kind of super ninja tactics and we don't cover the bases of like what well, sleep yeah you know take some vitamins
1: <laughs> take some minerals look at your hormone balance and kind of like lift weights yeah that is exactly right and the reason i think we are so obsessed with that stuff is because we we love feedback right humans love feedback so if you're looking at a watch and it's saying hey you done great today amazing if it says you've burnt this many calories amazing if it says oh your stress levels have dropped hey look how well you slept that's awesome. That is way more attractive than actually just making sure you get good sleep for like three weeks so you're recharged and you're good and you're in a set routine. That's way too long for most humans to appreciate. They want like quick feedback, but that doesn't change the fact the best, best feedback is just you looking whether your life's improved or not. And that is, you know, in your sleep quality and your mood. If you're performing better at work, it's not just, be- it's not chance. Something's gone right and it could easily be a diet. It could easily be because you're going to bed a little earlier and getting up a little earlier. All these little things have insane differences. I say it to everyone, right? If you have an app or if you look at, you know, your Facebook ad manager and you think, right, this says I'm making more money, but my bank balance is lower. You're not going to keep doing it just because this machine's told you. You're going to think, right, what is actually going on here? I to look at the real world, not just rely on gadgets to tell you stuff. And I've totally forgotten
0: what the term is. It's like they're kind of something to do with the automation paradox or something like that. It's that like, the more we get tech to do stuff for us like the good example the classic example is pilots because because planes tend to fly by wire now and there's not a lot of active flying that the pilot has to do perhaps some of the skills that pilots would have had of kind of lesson they've diminished it. people don't have these skills and i think it's the same with like humans and listening to their body and so like one of my worries is the more we rely on tech to tell us what to do and when to do it the less we're able to kind of make decisions for ourselves and and not everyone kind of understands or, or, or gets that no, um, definitely do you do you track anything like hrv like heart rate variability for sort of
1: recovery and looking at when to work out or no i used to um i feel that's quite goal dependent if you're a naturally skinny guy looking to pack on size that becomes way less important um, but I did used to do that stuff especially during uh, military training with the balance of trying to be really physically fit and enough time to recover from your own sessions and Reggie PT um, and you know what I've had other goals but for my current goals I keep it mega mega simple. I had a, a friend of mine who was in the Paris, and he was a PTI for I think he, I think he said
0: 10 years and he was—he's he, now a coach, and you know he's uh, perhaps does things differently than he did back then. But he was telling me about some of the stuff they used to do, and how they used to just mess with people's heads uh, and just just beast people basically, and absolutely hammer them into the ground. And it kind of like one—it sounds quite dysfunctional. And this was a few years ago, so I'm sure it's changed. But two,
1: it just sounds like sounds really unpleasant. No, it's yeah, but it's good. It's that's that stuff that it's not all about physical training the arm and being physically fit, right? You have to be insanely mentally resilient and any guy that's fought on the front line will tell you that. Like you need to be mentally mega strong. So the PTs will do it and they're doing it to uh, probably to have some fun to make the time pass for themselves. Yeah, but if it's having a knock on positive effect, it's good. I mean, you know, they're going to have times where they're going to say, right, we're not going back in until uh, at least four people have been sick. Right, and you're going to be running, just like looking around, like who's going to go, like because oh, you, <laughs> you want to get back in, like you've been going for miles and miles and miles, you yeah. just waiting for people to throw up, and the Peter is just laughing. Um, but I, I think all that stuff's good. I think it's a shame that the army is suddenly getting a lot softer. Um, which yeah, I think it's a shame to be honest. I think it, more politically correct.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: because obviously this fits in with resilience, which we'll, we'll come to later. Because I know that you you know, you recommended a book in some of your, I was reading something or listening to something and you recommended a book called Resilience. I'll kind of touch on that a little bit later. One thing that stuck me with me, sorry, from what Ryan, this guy, this ex was saying though, is that they would go out on, I don't know, whatever, like a long distance run with, you know, kind of packs on. And it was, you know, hard work and they'd get people doing bits and pieces in between. So everyone was knackered when they got back. But then they would tell people that, people were going to dump their kit and like kind of get ready to rest. And they'd say, no, like you're going again. There's no rest. You don't get time to do anything. You're literally going to go and do that whole, I don't know, like 10K or wherever it was again. And they wouldn't ever make the people do that, but they just wanted to see who had, you know, who was just going to collapse and give up basically and go, I can't do it. I'm, I'm fried. And who was going to actually just kind of take it on the chin and get stuck in. And I don't have any military background, but just from being fascinated with performance and training all of my life, I really took that lesson on board because it made me kind of realize that, you know, often you have more in the tank than you think. Uh, but also, like, sometimes you just need to be prepared for the unexpected. If, does, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah I yeah. think it fits into so many areas of life, whereas business, you know, kind of like just training in the gym, being a parent, yeah. <laughs> 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 being being married. Um, okay, cool. So, obviously, you train naturally skinny guys. Mm. It, it, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. you take yeah. guys who, because of your own history, because of your background, when you put on mass muscle and you packed on muscle, it kind of changed your life. Yeah. So now you specifically work with men,
1: help them do that so that they can, so they can what? It's, it's a combination of so many things, but it's always the same story with these guys. So even guys that are super, super successful, they still, like at the office, don't feel like they're seen uh, or respected as, as much as like a guy that's a bit broader. When they walk into a room, they don't have that presence. You know, when they take their top off on holiday... They say they feel immediately like a child amongst men. Like it affects so many areas. But I think the biggest thing, rather than just actively putting on the size, is is the confidence. Like just feeling like a man, feeling masculine. It, it really affects everything. And no one will understand it unless they've been in a situation that they felt truly stuck in that knocks their confidence, and they and they see no way out of it at all because they've tried everything. They've tried the mass gainers and the, the online programs um, with the picture of that massive bodybuilder next to it. No, he didn't use that program. Um, they've tried that <laughs> stuff because I tried that stuff. Push ups. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it was just like just do this, and you know, you get I get the most insane uh, comments on loads of my adverts of these really small guys just saying like this is this is rubbish just you need to just do push-ups and pull-ups and you're thinking like no you've just read these programs and you're, and you're repeating it and it is just damaging because what it does is it makes the guys feel like so so helpless right if you know there's something you can do you feel all right you're like yeah I've got that if I want to do it I can do that mm. But when you think you've tried everything and you haven't got the results just crushes you 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 look in the mirror and you just think yeah I'm gonna be you know, in 10 years' time, I'm still going to look like this. I feel like a boy now. I'm still going to be, you know, getting ID'd for alcohol when I'm 30 um, just because I've got narrow shoulders and I've got, you know, no chest. And it's just a horrible place to be. So most guys, when they do end up packing on size and muscle, they just get so insanely excited because everyone's treating them differently. Right? They start, you know, going into their local uh, coffee shop where they see people they know and the, the dynamic between them and that person has shifted. They no longer feel like that runt that's kind of, Looking for approval, like a kid talking to a grown up, they feel like a man. It's a huge, huge thing. Huge thing.
0: Uh, I, I say to lots of clients that, like, kind of, fitness is the foundation. And I'm, I don't necessarily work with people with the same goals. They're not trying to necessarily pack on muscle, kind of, pack on size. Often it's kind of weight loss, you know, fat loss, and mm. kind of just optimization. But I have the conversation that fitness is the foundation. It's the starting point because if you can take control of your body uh, and kind of you know, your fitness, it, it just overflows positively into every other area of life that you can think about. But yeah. the, the, the muscle, that, like the way you just described, you know, if you put on muscle, having been a skinny guy, the way people react to you differently. I've had this conversation with my wife a few times and it's kind of like, no, you know, no one will admit who's right or who's wrong. And, I, you know, it's not really <laughs> a proper answer. But in evolutionary terms, there's something called the Hollywood physique. Yeah. And there's a bit of like sketchy research into this, I think. <laughs> but basically, you know, Women respond to guys with big pecs, fairly big delts, like broader shoulders, a slightly narrower waist, and like kind of biceps, maybe abs. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's not a conscious thing. A lot of women would say that they don't. Like the dad bod is now kind of you know, coming back into fashion, apparently. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so a lot of people would deny it. But I think there's an evolutionary, like before it's a conscious decision, I think, Perhaps a lot of women respond to a male physique that looks a certain way, and it's hardwired into them. Definitely. Do, do, do,
1: do, do you agree with that? Do you think absolutely. there's something in absolutely? And I, the way that I kind of sit differently is, we we're all programmed to to like things that benefit our survival, right? Like we were kind of we've mentioned before, our body doesn't really know we're in this modern time, right? It's the same as a guy saying, "Yeah, I don't really find um, big boobs attractive." Like, I mean, mo- the majority of guys do find something attractive about big boobs because evolutionary, like, that's what we wanted. Okay, it's the same way when we're living in the middle of nowhere, dangerous world, Um, you know, a long, long time ago. How's a, a woman going to protect herself and a child? It is going to be by a man that is athletically capable. It's going to be a guy that is muscular, that can hunt, that's athletically sound so he can, you know, fight and protect her and catch prey and, and be that, that guy that's going to actually... Benefit her, right? It's, it's completely. It's not. It's not a conscious decision. It's completely subconscious, but it is. It's going to be there. It's always there.
0: I think this is fascinating because it's definitely hardwired into us. And you know, I think Paul check first said this. I came across this in some of his research. But it takes something like a hundred thousand years for the human genome to change like one uh, percent or ten percent. The point being, doesn't matter about the numbers. The point being. Like, we're still kind of cave men and women, but with, like, iPhones and nice watches and driving cars and living weird lives compared to what we're designed for.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and I guess that that's that sort of... That's very powerful. You can't really override that kind of evolutionary stuff. No. Even though, like, the definition of that muscular, strong, kind of alpha male who can protect the woman and the family and and provide, I guess that's changed in the fact that now that's become a financial... Yeah. It's be- become a financial game to the kind of like exclusion of health and fitness, you know, so like it's, it's almost like health and fitness and being fit and strong is not, I think there's a resurgence in it now, but for a while I think it was kind of um, played down because it wasn't as important as being the breadwinner and like working in the office and making money and having a Mercedes or whatever it might've been. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's um, I feel like it's, it's more kind of frowned upon because it's so ancient. It's kind of common theme these days where if something's real old and it's just like, taken for granted is just is the case people kind of put a downer and be like this is not the right way whereas it's always going to be the case there's re- like like you said we are still cavemen like without a doubt there's reasons why you know men still have a certain cell in their eye that mean we can track movement better women have a certain cell that means they're better at differentiating textures and colors right it's the hunter-gatherer thing which is why when you're in home base with the missus and she's holding up two cans of paint and says which one do you prefer and you're like they are the same you're just you're going gonna to argue about it. They're but, both blue. Yeah, they are both blue. It's, just, no, it's a sea blue, and, it's, <laughs> and you can't get your head around it because we, we are different. We're still different. It's why humans are still insanely, like, unbelievably lazy because we're programmed to save calories because we're survivors. It's why we do the weirdest things to save energy, like the weirdest things, like because we inherently, we fundamentally, we are we we want to survive. We don't understand that there's a fridge right there. Right, and I'm, I'm not gonna have to walk 10 miles to find something like I can, I can just nip to the shop, it's just there. Like, we don't understand that, that's why we do really strange things to conserve energy still in this day and age.
0: I think the, the kind of ultimate route, what I'm still trying to work out, and I haven't got there yet, but my kind of like my mission, I guess, is to you know, like marry everything up together. So, obviously. It's not just about money and providing, although that's a super important piece of the puzzle. Mm. It's not just about being fit and crushing it in the gym and dominating and like looking amazing and feeling strong and feeling confident. It's not just about being a certain type of kind of man, you know, with capabilities. I think you know, we just we just blend all of these pieces together kind of to make people better. And I think the reason I think health and fitness is so important is because I think generally healthier people who work on their bodies their health their energy levels their sleep have who have good habits they're generally happier yeah and i think healthier and happier people make better decisions uh they live longer they live longer but they also make better decisions perhaps more conscious decisions and i think we kind of need that at the moment we need people to be a bit more responsible right take take personal responsibility for their actions and what they
1: do in life yeah and i think
0: a good training ground for that is health and fitness
1: yeah I, i absolutely agree and i the way that I sum it up, as you said, everything like health, fitness, like business, all that stuff, like relationships. I and I talk about this loads and loads to my top clients. I say control, right? Having control. People say, um, you know, control freak. Like, what do you have to? But I think control is everything, right? Like you said, it's not about you know making millions and millions isn't going to make you a better person. But if you have control over your finances, you're a better person. But like if you have you know, a flabby stomach and and you don't have any muscle, and you're you kind of reactive in your physique because you're eating fast food and eating junk and drinking loads. You're not in control of your physique. You're not even in control of your health, right? Having control over every area is hugely beneficial. That is what I think leads to happiness, fulfillment, and just dominating life. Is control over every area? Don't be reactive. Don't just do as you're told and go through the motions. Just have relentless control everything, your training, your finances, your relationships, even your friendships. You don't have to be friends with people if you don't want to. They're negative, you can cut them out. You can have control over everything. So I I want to
0: skip forward a bit. I had this question kind of like penciled in for later because you know, I've listened to some of your work and some other interviews and things you've done. And there was one, it was with a friend of mine, Dave Morrow, a podcast you did with him. And you were talking about exactly this. You were talking about being reactive and you were talking about taking control. And in a minute, I want to get into your story and how you came to do what you do and like really have a look at in depth, like what's what's created you and turned you into the person and the man you are now. But before we get there, I'd love to just dive into this reactivity and control and I just really quickly want to kind of highlight a tiny bit of my story because I did a degree in English literature, which was just really random. Basically, I've never used it, and it kind of I don't know why I did it. Um, and then I ended up kind of working on a building site for a couple of years, and I was years, and I was a bit directionless. And worked for a TV company as a runner, and I just didn't really like that world. But I knew I'd always wanted to set up my own business. I would had this kind of w- weird burning desire to set up a clothing company for some reason, and so so I did it. I took the plunge when I was like 23, and I sort of shoestringed it and you know, thankfully, over the seven years, I grew it into quite a successful company and a good brand. And we made ski wear and, you know, technical outerwear. And I absolutely loved it. Um, but I fell out of love with the business model, because we were making stuff really cheaply in China, and encouraging people to buy new stuff every year. And, you know, we're selling in Europe at volume. And I kind of, I fell out with a business partner who'd been a lifelong friend, the recession hit, and a few things came together. And so I decided it was my opportunity to get out of that business that i'd fallen out of love with even though the money was really really good and you know it looked like i'd had you know i'd made it kind of kind of if that makes sense yeah so i took the opportunity to get rid of that business and while i was setting up the clothing business i became a, a gym instructor because i loved like working out i thought you know maybe i can do this on the side to earn money you know to pay the bills while i set up the business and i did that and i became a personal trainer and i realized that i couldn't help very many people with the generic PT kind of training, so I became a check practitioner, and I just became like, absolutely obsessed with health and fitness and optimization. And the, the the clothing business took off, and I became quite successful. But I just kept on topping up my skills and qualifications and learning about health and fitness because it was my real passion. So anyway, recession happened, sold the brand, the clothing brand, and thought, right, this is it. I'm going to become a full time trainer, coach. You know, set up a business, and that's when my life went very wrong for seven years. So I went from having a kind of you know like. seven figure business what have you to about five years later being like getting into debt and there's one particular point in my life where I was sitting in my attic and I had three kids at the time and I was like I've got an office set up in my attic and I've told people this story before but I was just crying my eyes out it was like July and the sun was coming through the velux windows and You know my life looked good from the outside but i was really really stuck and really really lost and i was broke i was getting into debt and i literally i felt like my life was over i felt like it was a complete dead end and i didn't have a clue how i was going to move forwards how i was going to make money how i was going to pay the bills how i was going to feed the family uh and it was a really dark place and this kind of period of my life lasted for seven years and i I spent loads of money like with coaches and going on courses and going on seminars and just reading everything to try and, you know, personal personal development and stuff to try and dig myself out of this hole. The reason I kind of give that background and mention it is because something you said, like really tiny, like simple actions, like you said something about basically doing the DIY. You said like men who might have a list of tasks that, you know, have been building up, you know, have got like stuff they should do around the house that they had been putting off for months. You know, maybe if you just, step into that stuff take control and do a couple of those jobs it makes you feel different uh, and another one was like you, I, you, I think you mentioned this or I read it somewhere about being on time I'm pretty sure it was you and like so I, I take my little boy to football every Saturday morning and we're always five minutes late <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's my life I always because I'm quite a creative person so I'm always running late and so I was experimenting with some of these little simple tiny steps and these concepts about taking control one of them was like I'm going to be Early. I'm gonna be the first person there with my little boy. And it's, it's such a subtle shift in your mindset and how you feel, and the fact that you're not stressed and rushing. So the point of giving you that kind of background is, if, if you, if I'd met you like in the midst of that crisis, like July 2013, mm. crying my eyes out, like completely fucking stuck, mm. thinking, what what am I gonna do? Because I hadn't been able to make my coaching business work and my fitness business work, and I was broke mm. and like debts were piling up and i think i was very reactive at the time if you can think of a man in that situation how would you help them take control
1: exactly what you did and the the way you just talked about it when you're in that position and most people who are in that position or a similar one where they just feel lost all they've done is they just stacked up loads and loads of losses right they're losing every day everything there's if they try and flick some rubbish in the bin it's gonna miss right they are just (laughs) losing all day every day so all you need to do is stack up some wins. You don't have to think like, right, I'm at I need to I need to make 2K today because I can't pay my bills. Like that's that's a big jump. Just stack up little wins, like I said about doing the DIY, right? Just stack up that little win. Mm. Make a little win for yourself and it snowballs. Just become addicted and obsessed to winning. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. So to the point where you just think, right, you know what? Yesterday I was crying in the attic and just broken, but Now, today is just gonna be wins. I might not make any money today. I can't just click my fingers and it'll be here, but I am gonna win the whole day. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get up early. That's a win, because I hate getting up early. There's one win. I'm gonna go to the gym, and I'm gonna train real hard. That's another win. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get my finances in order. I'm gonna write a list of what's coming out at the end of the month. I'm gonna write a list of exactly what I've got coming in. I'm gonna look at it and appreciate exactly where I am, because even though it might be a bad place, me recognizing it is a huge win. And like, see how that's just stepping up. Then you are thinking, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to brainstorm for half an hour. I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode. I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to I'm going to brainstorm some work, things that I can do in the next 30 days that are going to really dig me out and get me into a good place. Just brainstorm, right? Just creative. That's another win. And you start just constantly thinking of ways you can win. And then the way you take to the next level is making non-negotiables, right? Those wins that you did like say that that 30 minutes of creative brainstorming made you feel amazing, you had amazing ideas, you think, you know what, non-negotiable right now, I'm going to do 30 minutes of brainstorming every single day, because that put me in a crazy good place. Like this is with the timings. I've got a non-negotiable thing. I will always, always be on time. Okay, obviously it makes it hard when you're in a relationship, because <laughs> uh, I'm at the door tapping my wrist. Um, you know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> oh, it's crazy. But with regard, you know, if I've got a call book for 10 o'clock, I will call you the second that 959 goes to ten. I will be sat there ready to press that green button. Non-negotiable. I would I know I'll never have to say like, oh, I might ring you a bit late. I would never allow it to happen, ever. Because I've got a non-negotiable. The amount of times we've had stuff to do, like we need to go in the car somewhere and collect some of it and you know you'll hear, oh, can't you just do this call five minutes early? Or even a minute early. I'll just be like, Nope. Like this is this is me. It's a rule I've got. I've got to do it. Okay, no one would go up to a vegan and say oh just have a bit of meat you wouldn't because they've got a rule they've got a rule right no one would go up to a guy that doesn't drink and be like just have one beer he has a rule of what he does so you need to set rules okay let's just try and do stuff you know what i'm gonna try and not be late you will be late (laughs) yeah i'm gonna try and get out of this hole i'm gonna try really hard and and make some money try and you can do all the trying in the world it's not gonna get you out you just need to make non-negotiables and start winning them every single day and you'll end up in a Unimaginable place. I can't even describe where you'll be. If you become obsessed with winning, it becomes becomes a pretty cool place to be. Why do you think
0: those rules? Like, why do you think, for example, the non-negotiables, like being on time? Why
1: do you think that's important? Like, why do you think it works? Because you can easily give yourself a pat on the back for trying stuff. It's really easy to do, right? If you say, "I'm going to get up at six o'clock," I'm going to try and get up at six o'clock, um, and then you get up at quarter past six. You will feel okay. You'll give yourself a pat on the back, and that just sets a kind of sets a present in your head that as long as you get close, you're okay. And that can just get that's just going to get bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's just gonna that's just gonna. Your dog agrees. Yeah, he's, 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 uh, getting,
0: <laughs> so, on audio. That's going to sound
1: like a real old weird. That's us. There's no dog. In there. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're oh, get getting fired
1: <laughs> up. Just getting pumped. But um, yeah, it's non-negotiables is is the biggest thing. Like they really, really are. When it when it's a non-negotiable, you know you'll hit it. I never have to worry like, oh no, what if I don't get to the gym tomorrow? Then I'm not going to get the results I want. I know I'll get to the gym because it's a non-negotiable, it will happen. The same with all my clients. You'll see them putting posts in our private community saying like, oh, I had to get up at this time to move house and do this. In fact, I had one today. I got a call at three zero three thirty in the morning. Um, I had to get into the office and do this and that, but I still did this and still hit the meals. Um, And there's reasons why, right? Because they've made it non-negotiable and that is how you guarantee success. So it's non-negotiable. You can't lose. So if someone's working with you because
0: you're a coach, <laughs> then you can hold them accountable, and you can, you know, explain why, and you can pick them up, and you know, you can reinforce that. But if someone's trying to do it on their own, like solo, like w- w- how do you build in personal accountability? Like, what w- do you have consequences for yourself? Is like,
1: how does that work? I call it the sacrifice reward cycle. <laughs> but so. I use what, it's kind of something I created that I call the sacrifice reward cycle, right? Because winning really is just making sacrifices that put you in an amazing place. So you can start that off by doing doing things that don't necessarily have a visible reward, right? Like if you say to someone, start getting up early, they're going to be like, why? They're not going to see all the benefits that come. So you need to immediately have a reward. That's how our brain works, right? Feedback machines, like we spoke about with the digital stuff. We just need feedback. So you're going to say, get up early, half an hour early, and sit on the sofa with your feet up, your favorite brew, um, and, and relax, read your favorite book. Just do something that you enjoy, mm. right? Have a cold shower. Then in, like I've got guys doing cold showers for a few days and then go into their local sauna and steam room for 45 minutes and relaxing. It's just that longer term sacrifice reward. So every time you're gonna do something you might not particularly wanna do, that non-negotiable that you wanna set for the future, just carry on feeding that sacrifice reward cycle. Do that tough thing, give yourself that awesome reward. Because okay, a weird thing happens when you do this. right? If you do this enough, you start becoming so excited about sacrificing because you see the rewards, you look for it everywhere. And then what happens is the rewards start becoming sacrifices in themselves because you're so hungry to suffer and cause more pain because you understand the growth it puts you. Like I started off, uh, Amber bought a pull-up bar because she wanted to learn to pull-ups. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm going to see how long I can hang on to that bar for. Like until not until I'm tired, until I my fingers literally just cannot hold on. I fall on the floor. And I'm not gonna time it because then I'll be aiming for minutes. I don't wanna be doing that. I'm just gonna hold it. Don't okay, care how long it takes, I'm gonna do it. And then after I've finished it and get my wellies on, go for a real nice dog walk with a flask of coffee with Burt. Um, amazing, right? And that's a clear sacrifice reward. But then it starts going into, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna ice bath and that's my sacrifice. And then as a reward, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do an open water swim. And you think, well, hang on, those are really similar things. So all I'm really doing is sacrificing and then going into another cold <laughs> like area. It's exactly. warm. Yeah, like, sac- yeah <laughs> that's true. But it, you start like enjoying it. Like I was saying to my friend before, hey, not be cool. I've got this business goal. It's going to take me two or three months. Um, but once we've done it, as a little reward, let's go do our own little triathlon, right? Let's go do our own little triathlon where we're going to bike, uh, we're going to swim, bike and run, and that'd be good. And he's just like, that's what you want to do to celebrate. And I'm like. Yeah, I don't know why, but that is just what I, what I want to do. You start just really enjoying pushing yourself into painful or uncomfortable situations. It's a really cool place to be. So I guess it's the sense of achievement. Mm. And I guess it's also
0: like something that, it's one of those personal development things that's a bit meaningless because they're also overused, but like all growth happens outside your comfort zone. Mm. So like you go through that little bit of pain and you're going to experience generally something good. So you go through the pain, evolutionary terms, you go through the pain and hardship of hunting, and then you kill something and you eat it, or you gather something and you eat it. Um, And, you know, the same in business, as you say, if you sacrifice, you put the hard work in to put a program together or to, you know, market or to coach clients or whatever it is, build a prototype, you know that generally if you've got it right, you know, hopefully there's going to be some reward afterwards. So I guess it's training, training, you know, yourself to understand that sacrifice leads to
1: reward. Is that, is yeah, that right? It, that that's absolutely right. But there's one there's one really important factor, because a lot of guys when I talk about this sacrifice reward, they'll say, um, oh well I all day, like I'm a, I'm a brickie's labourer, I work hard. Like that is a sacrifice in itself, right? That's a job that is hard work or you know, I, I'm I'm in the army, I uh, I do this every morning because I have to do this. That's a sacrifice. You have to choose to do it. Being told you have to do that sacrifice just doesn't have the same effect at all okay when when i was made to do like horrible grueling pt of course the endorphins are rushing you feel good but i was never craving you know what i can't wait until uh tuesday when i get to do it again that's gonna be amazing but when you choose to do it when you choose to put yourself in that situation it it's a whole new ball game because your brain understands like this is um, it's control like we said before right you've decided to do it and you have done it and it's come with a reward um not long ago this was just before we moved i decided I was gonna do a thousand burpees, right? Or bastards in the army corner where I said burpees with a press-up and a jump. And I thought, I'm gonna do a thousand. And I woke up in the morning so insanely excited about doing it. And I didn't know why. And I thought, two things. This is gonna be really boring, like really boring, because a thousand bur- and I got a pretty short attention span. Like a thousand bastards is a is a lot. And it's gonna be painful. Yeah. I knew it was gonna be painful, and I couldn't wait to do it. Like, I wasn't thinking about the reward, I didn't even plan a reward for it, I was just pumped about doing that. I think there was like a food reward, I had like a massive steak in the fridge and I was like, I'm gonna eat that, I'm <laughs> done. Um, but it was, yeah, I was just, I was really fired up about doing it. And like when I tell people that, they just can't understand why and it's it's that choice. When you choose to put yourself in, into those situations and do those things, it opens you up and it sounds like the smallest, simplest thing and that's why people don't do it, because they think that is way too simple. But just choosing to suffer, is so so powerful. It, I mean, imagine where you'd be. Like I say to people, imagine where you'd be like now. If this time last year, every single chance you had an opportunity to take the hard road instead of the easy road, where would you be? Like, you would be in a crazy place, right? You'd be t- like your self growth would be through the roof physically. You would look insane, you on dangerous looking guy, mm. right? If you took the hard road all the time, every time you were like. I can't do another set. I've done plenty. Imagine if you did that last set every single time. Imagine every time your friends say, I'm going to pop round for a, for a pizza. Tonight, it's, it's Friday. We won't go out. We'll just have a few beers and pizza at home. And you said, you can come round, but I'm going to have a cup of tea and this meal that I prepared, right? Imagine where you'd be. That's way harder. Way harder, but it puts you in a great place. And it's part of it like conquering yourself, like proving what you're
0: capable of within yourself, and then like smashing goals and thinking right okay it's kind of
1: stretching yourself, personal growth I guess yeah ultimately isn't it yeah exactly that you everyone's always going to have something they think they're capable of and it's just you proving yourself wrong over and over I think I can do this well watch me do this that's what you're saying and then you just constantly you know it's belief belief's the biggest thing right if you believe you can do something then you're going to do it and if you constantly prove to yourself that you're capable of more than you thought you're not going to hold back anymore and belief is such a key word and I think
0: for me in that dark period of my life belief was like really lacking and i know that you've read some jordan peterson stuff and mm. uh, listened to some jordan peterson stuff and i only got the 12 rules for life uh, halfway through last year and i haven't read all of it because i basically stopped at a certain point because i kind of got everything i needed to out of it and i believe sometimes that in meeting one person or reading one book there's one massive gem game changer takeaway that you can that can change your life if you apply it yeah and for me it was the I can't even remember what it's called, but I I now call it defeated lobster syndrome. Yeah. And I think it's it's the fact that like I've been really successful young and then I had so many failures for a number of years. And, you know, I remember it being kind of when I talk to it people about it now, it was, I remember looking into my wife's eyes and just feeling really shit because I knew I wasn't doing what I should. She never expected me to provide or be rich or any of that sort of stuff. She never asked for any of that stuff. But there was just something within me that felt very broken because I knew I wasn't being the kind of person I wanted to be, the kind of father, the kind of husband, I was. I felt like I was sort of shirking my responsibilities, but I, I was really stuck in this pit of not knowing how to get out of it. Yeah. And for me, like when I read the chapter on the kind of lobsters in Jordan Peterson's book and how you actually have chemical changes in your brain through repeated failure. Yeah. And serotonin level. Serotonin and you won't fight again he if
1: he's lost his fight and stuff. Exactly. And yeah. You
0: actually chemically your brain structure can change. And, and I was like, oh my god, the, the penny massively, massively dropped and so i just found that absolutely fascinating so i'm 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 so interested in how i truly believe in something called reality hacking and it's not magic or bullshit it's not like hey you know just sit there in a cave and you know use the law of attraction and it's not that stuff it's the fact that you know your decisions and your choices generally forge kind of habits and your decisions choices and habits add up to the results you have with your body with your marriage with your business with your whatever the heck it is yeah If you don't like those results, you can make different decisions, choices, and have forge different habits. You can get different results. Sorry, I yeah, yeah. spat over you there because I'm getting <laughs> excited. Um, and you know, so you can create your own reality like within reason. Yeah. So you can check. You know, and, and I really passionately believe this. And I want more people to believe it. So that's why I'm so interested in ha- these little like these little steps, these little changes, like taking control, you know, not being reactive, because it's such, such powerful stuff. These, like there's a professor at Stanford called BJ Fogg who's got this thing called Tiny Habits, And it's about attaching little positive, healthy habits to brushing your teeth. Like you brush your teeth, then you do X. You know, you have your coffee, then you do X. And it it seems, listening to you talk about the control and the small steps and the DIY and the timings and the kind of, you know, working out and challenging yourself and sacrificing and, you know, really made me think of that.
1: And I think it is really the magic formula. Yeah. And I think it's the way to, you stack those up and you get big wins. Definitely. Definitely. It's kind of like they talk about, Form habits with cues, right? So you just attach cues to those right things. But what you said about belief is a really big thing, and that's the case with a lot of people that I talk to, right? With that, you realize that actually, I've just been, I've just been thinking the wrong things, which has made me do the wrong thing, which has put me here, right? Natural law: this, if I do this, this will happen. But that is just undisputed. That is that's what's going to happen. So if you think right, all you need to do is change your actions. That's not enough because you're still thinking a certain way if you think how you think affects how you act which affects how your life turns out you need to go right back to how you think that needs to be the starting point okay I had it when I first left the army and the army's not good pay right I think people know that but that's kind of what I just that was the first job I had yeah I just was like that's this is how much money people make <laughs> this is, this is this is what I'm worth I guess right um, and then I left the army, I thought I'm never going to work for anyone again, I'm going to start my own business, and I started off in a gym. Now, for the first few months, obviously for the first month, struggling, didn't really make any money, just didn't really know what I was doing, Um, but I pushed aggressively, just really aggressive in in working, seven days a week, and then after a few months, you know, after a month I was making money, after a few months I looked back, I was making the exact same amount I made in the army, like exactly the same, which is the weirdest thing, because this was... You know, I was getting as many clients as I wanted. You know, I I was running the business. I could choose how much, in theory, how much money I made, To you know, to a degree. I can't be like, right, I want a million today. Um, You know, I I was in control. But somehow, every month, I was making exactly what I made in the army. And I thought about this loads and loads and loads. It was, I was limiting myself purely because that's what I saw myself as worth. I thought that was how much people make. So that is how much I made, Mm. okay? And if I look back at my actions, if I started making you know if it looked like i was going to make more than that i'd always dial back i'd always think oh you know what i'm exhausted i might cancel tomorrow's sessions like if i if something was going really badly i would work like crazy making really good money for a few days and then it looked like i was going to make the same in the army If you look at my habits i'm dialing it back in i'd always sit there and it was only when i changed that and realized right i don't have to limit myself and i see it with guys that have never ever been able to pack on size and muscle and they're their identity is, I am the skinny, weak guy. That's who I am. So they start seeing themselves packing on some size and muscle, right? That's following systems and they're getting a little bit bigger. They'll think, this is amazing. I owe a reward to myself. I'm going to, this is what they're saying out loud, consciously, I owe a reward. I'm going to go out on the piss with the guys. Uh, I'm going to let the diet sit just for a few days as a little reward. That is just self-sabotage. That is just you believing you're not worthy of having that big, broad, masculine physique. So, you're going back to average behavior and you're making sure you stay in that comfort area where you believe you should be. Because it's safe. Safe. Yeah, safe. I, I don't want to. And also, it sounds a little bit cheesy to say, but you know, the higher you climb, the, the further you can fall. It, it is the, it's the case. If you don't try and really succeed, if you don't try and really pack on muscle and change your physique to the point where you walk into your local and they say, What the fuck have you done and how can I do it? Like, that's a big climb. Whereas if you just, you know, make maybe a little bit of progress or maybe just try, it's real safe, real safe. And if you haven't adjusted your mindset, it's only a matter of time until someone
0: you know who who, who means well turns around and goes, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, you don't need to get big and strong. Yeah. Like, you know, why are you being so upset for going to the gym? Come on, you, you won't come out for a beer anymore. Have a pizza, have some ice cream, you know, all this kind of stuff. And if you haven't, if you're not prepared for that kind of stuff that people are going to criticise and also people ultimately... It's not that they don't want you to succeed, it's just you make them feel bad about the fact that they're not doing stuff to advance their lives, maybe.
1: Yeah. Like, so someone's gonna try and bring you down, maybe. Definitely. Yeah, I and I think it's not it's not them trying to bring you you have to be careful because obviously I mean some people definitely wanna bring you down. I'm sure we've all experienced it. Um because they, you know, misery loves company. They were like, Why is he succeeding? Like, come back down. But really, because everyone everyone lives within a certain set of rules. Right? Like if you say to someone, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know I'm not going to drink tonight you're out with friends on Saturday and you're having a, just a water or a squash and they say what are you doing you say oh I've got training tomorrow so I want to make sure I lift big they look at you like you're crazy because they've just got people have these rules that they follow which is like on the weekends you drink yeah. on Mondays you try and go to the gym <laughs> on Tuesdays you stop going to the gym but there's just these like common practices it, I mean I did the same when I was leaving the army and I said um, you know what are you going to do and when I started telling people after, I mean, initially I said I was going to be doing security and, and personal training because that seems what every soldier just says. you like, I'm going to do security and personal training. When I started saying I'm going to start my own business, no, I don't want help finding employment. I'm going to start my own business. People just look at you like you're crazy. No, that is not what you do. Yeah. You, you get a job. Like, if that's just, that's it. When people say, you know, like, oh, what are you doing tonight? And you say, oh, I'm working. I'm going to work till like 11 then go to bed just because I want to get loads done and I might have a morning off tomorrow. They'll say No. You work nine till five. Then you watch Netflix all night. Till 11. And then you snooze your alarm three times and then get up. Don't you dare try and do anything differently, you psycho, right? <laughs> it's just these rules that people live by. So when people see you not following these normal rules, which are crazy and restrictive, they, they panic. And they try and kind of – it's not malicious. They're not trying to make you fail. They're just trying to get you how what they believe to be comfortable. Back to safety. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't, don't, don't shake up the tribe. Because yeah. Don't rock the boat. <laughs> exactly that yeah
0: so you've talked about the army you've talked you know, about the training skinny guys and helping them pack on size and muscle what, what's your story basically how did you you come to do what you do now you know wh- why are you interested in all this stuff like why do you do a thousand burpees like wake up excited to, to do a thousand burpees and then think as my reward i'm gonna i can't remember what you said but like doing my own
1: triathlon yeah. you, know, yeah. what, you know why do you do this sort of shit so like you know what's your story well, I mean, I was always naturally skinny as a kid. My mum's like a marathon runner. My dad's a bit stocky He's a rugby player, the Nuke Hornets, but my mum's like real, like loves marathons runner. I got her build, right? Just really skinny guy. Um, and I always was. Yeah, you, there's pictures of me as a kid and it looks like, like a house party or something. And it looks like the younger brothers kind of broke in and he's like with the grown, not the grown, but like the teenagers. Like I was just so, so skinny and I was always skinny. Um, a proper ectomorph like real terms. ectomorph yeah real ectomorph like just you know that and i hear guys on the phone now that I'll say things to me that, I'm, that are just so funny to me because it's exactly the same like oh yeah my mum always says to me i've got hollow legs because i eat like crazy and i'm like nodding like yeah you like we're all the same like, it's so crazy but, yeah i was always really skinny and because i had really low confidence uh in myself i did like quite a stereotypical thing of being like a class clown right um and i was just yeah i was just a a bit of a tear away at school and stuff just like trying you know just trying to be the funny guy trying to get approval that way um so i ended up actually getting kicked out of uh carpentry college of all things after a year they wrote my mum a letter saying uh, johnny collins is, is not coming back for the following reasons it was you know behavior attitude lateness lack of work um everything so i kind of panicked my mum panicked i was just like so <laughs> uh, what are you gonna do i said don't you worry, Mum. Got it all planned out. I join the army, <laughs> so um, yeah. I never like wanted to join as a kid or anything. It was literally just a snap decision, um, and I went into the army, and it was just you know it was where I belonged to be. I spoke to my dad when I was in, and he was like, "You, this is this is what you need. Like you're just an insanely high energy guy who's who's got into a bit of trouble before." Um, like once you got discipline, like and I just just I enjoyed it. Like it was where I needed to be.
0: Was there a part of you that craved that? Like in the back of your mind, you probably couldn't put your finger on it, but you the
1: structure, the discipline, like a bit of guidance, um, some rules. Yeah, yeah, big time. And well, I think when I look back, what I wanted was the simplicity because life is just like complex, especially in this day and age. And when you join the army, oh it's especially when you go away. Like when you're away on deployment, it is the simplest thing. Like you, you have your life is in a Bergen. Right, that is that is your stuff. You sleep. Um, you do exactly what you're told to do. Right, like hey, you're on stag two till four, and then when you're not on stag, you're going to sleep. Like you need to clean your weapon. There's your food. So what stag? Sorry. Um, so like uh, sentry, so you, okay, you know, right, yeah. um, what like looking out? Okay, yeah. Um, you know that that's what you are doing. Then you you go in the morning. You wake up. You do your, and you've got a real solid routine. Like you wake up, you know, you're going to clean your weapon. You're going to have your breakfast. Like you've got a solid routine. You're going to get a kit on um, and go on a patrol. Yeah. And you know, you're very highly trained to do exactly what you need to do on that patrol. And you're going to, you know, and it's aggressive. So it's really good for, um, for us, right? It's, it's good for like a man's mindset. It's, it's good to have such like aggressive direction towards a task. Then um, you come back, you know, you're going to eat some more. You're drinking loads of water. It's, like, it's just like a real simple routine, which is amazing. Absolutely loved it. And that's when so many guys struggle when they come back because suddenly the world's complicated. Suddenly you've got um, bills coming through. You've got um, 100 different people that want you to do 100 different things. You've got, it's, it's a complex way to live. You've got to make your own decisions. Big time. When should I get up? Like, what should...
2: Yeah. You know, if you're not
1: working, what should I do today? I, I can imagine that's a really hard transition. Mm. Yeah. People think um, people think of the as It's like... And it is a place, you know, where it's got really good bloke stuff, but you are really looked after, right? The army is mummy and daddy, big time. You get out and you're like, oh... So I have to decide what time to have lunch. <laughs> this seems crazy. <laughs> and make it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I have to make my own food. I mean it tastes a lot better, but I have to do it. Um yeah, it's a crazy place to be. So the army, I just absolutely loved it. It was where I needed to be. Um and I loved fitness when I was in the army. In fact, I got given I remember being given two weeks off work just to train this guy because he was failing his PF, his mile and a half run in his, in his tests, his press-up and sit-up. I know the tests are different now, but they were mile and a half run, press-ups and sit-ups. And he was failing, so he said basically two weeks of, you know, not off work, limited duties. Like if you want to cut away, you need to take him to the gym, like sit with him in the cookhouse and watch what he eats, like everything. And I and I loved it. I did it with him. And, I mean, he smashed the test. He's still in now, I believe. And it was it was amazing. Like I just always loved fitness But more than fitness, I always prided myself on discipline. Like, I don't mean discipline of someone tells me to do something, I'll run and go do it. I meant like, I always loved being at the front of the pack for the run, like people could see me and see that guy's the fittest. And then afterwards, I wanted them to see me smoking. And I do not smoke anymore, <laughs> but I smoked when I was in the army. Uh, He's invincible. And, yeah, like, how does he do that? And I, I used to really, you know, t- I like, find it really pleasurable. I'd be like, yeah. And I, and I used to love going out drinking and then still being, you know, like hanging out and saying to people, like, I feel terrible, hungover, and then still digging deep and pushing myself. And it was really, it's not, that's not a good place to be in because there's no long game in that at all. But I used to love it because I used to say, I am mentally stronger than I am fitter. Right, Mm -hmm. they'd say on the mile and a half, pace yourself, get a good pace. And I'd say, No, I sprint at the start. I always start, and I still say to people this day, This is how you should run a mile and a half. You should sprint. And then when you get tired, you should tell yourself, I am not slowing down. That's what you should do. (laughs) Right, like if you're, if you're, if you can see straight after it, you've done it wrong. Right, and that's what I kind of loved, like being more disciplined than I was fit. And I liked it in everything. You know, if we're on exercise in the middle of Salisbury, um, and it's freezing, you know, and they're saying like, oh, they said we don't have to do, like, it's the, it's the final night, you know, and they saying, oh, they said you have to do stag, and I wanted, when everyone else was celebrating, I wanted to be the one guy going like, oh, I'd do stag. Like, I'm I'm ready to do it. Like, I just wanted to, like, mental toughness for me was a huge, huge thing. Um, unfortunately, that fell short. I had a really simple, minor injury, uh, and I've still, I've got pins through my wrist, so basically, I can't do um, a press-up. If you see my videos and stuff, I'm always doing it like, my knuckles, Um, so I can't bend my right hand back um, like parallel so uh, all that means is I can't do one press up properly so I went to do um, I was doing a medical for the commando course and the doctor said do a press up did it on my knuckles he said no I need it flat-handed I said I I can't do that Um, and he said oh I can't pass you and I thought this is crazy. That's like, a case of like you know. Surely you can make a small exception. Because <laughs> how crazy. often
0: do you find yourself doing press ups in the middle? Well, I mean, uh, well, apart
1: from when you're being priested and like trained and stuff. Like but that. even then, like, you don't on your knuckles, right? But even like no matter what you're doing, like in, in normal life, because you do press ups all day every day. But there's no problem doing knuckles, right? No problem at all. And um, as far as it affecting your job, on ops you're not doing press ups. Yeah, it's a and already, that's like, not a <laughs> thing. So yeah, it was real strange. Like, I I said to the guy, I was like, listen, I've just. I've just passed the three-day pre-commando. I've just, uh, I've just, you just signed me off like a few months ago to jump out of a plane six times. Like, you, how can you not pass this? Like, just because I have to press on my knuckles, this seems crazy. Um, but you know that was the case, and they said, you know, you're still going to stay in. Um, you know, you're still, you've still got a career in the army. And as far as I was concerned, like that's not a career. Like, unless I can aggressively move forward, I'm not happy there. Um, which I know that some people were happy to just kind of. Go through the ranks, uh, which is fine with every job, like just kind of progress as they should. But me, I ha- I need, I need aggressive progress. I don't, I can't have any barriers in front of me because I feel so restricted. I, I just, I couldn't have it, so I immediately just signed off um, straight away. You have to give a year's notice, uh, and I thought, what am I going to do? And I kind of thought about that, no, no barriers in front of me thing, and I thought corporate would be cool. But then I kind of thought, actually, I want to do my own thing. And I kind of was thinking what I'm good at, and it was training people. So that's exactly what I did. But I kind of trained a big group of people initially, like anyone, you know, when you first get out, you just think fitness is fitness, that's it. But what I found was I don't care about any sort of fitness that I haven't done. I've never had to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I've never been a chick trying to move my post-baby fat. I've never had to do that. So in a way, I felt a little bit, not fraudulent, but telling them what to do, I kind of felt like... who am i to? i've never had to do it like i I don't know if this is really going to work yeah like i know what you need to do i'm I'm clued up like medically and and fitness wise but i so that's when i kind of transitioned to you know i'm only going to help guys um and the way it got to online was actually me getting kicked out of the gym i was in in bristol which is a terrible really irritating at the time uh and i was talking to rich about this as you know at the time i was and i was like mate i've got a uh, this is just real problems because I hired a guy. Basically, I, you know, there's no money in just one on one PT and like everyone else does it. It's so a tough business. It's, oh, it's, it's relentless. And what scared me was hang on. So if I build up a business here and I move house, I have to start again. Yeah. This seems crazy yeah. to me. So I, um, I panicked and I kind of, I, I re. Worked the whole business and I started doing you know, semi private sessions, charging way more. And I kind of took over the gym. Like it was, I was named by um, your PT as the top PT in Bristol really quickly, doing really well. I hired another trainer to take all my sessions for me, and I just did the marketing like it was a real business that was making good money. And then suddenly, no one's happy because the other PTs are like, He's taken up too much space. He's taken all the clients. They st- I was also running an outdoor boot camp at the time. Like I was just, I was taking over mm-hmm. and they really didn't like it. And uh, eventually it was chats with chats with the manager of the gym and it went real high up. And eventually um, I I hate like unnecessary stress. And I just thought, I, to me, that was like limitations again. I'm like, hang on. So I, they were like, you can do it. But you have to just train two people at a time or like no more than four and all this. And I just thought, they like, put limitations on me. I'm out. So I went online, yeah, straight away and... So did you literally leave the gym, like leave your clients and then set up an online business from scratch? Did you transition? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I remember it well because I was actually in Cornwall at the time on a little weekend break with Amber and we were sat there and I was so stressed out, just getting irritated with it all. We were trying to relax and she just said to me, she said, right, just work out right now how much you'd need to refund people that have like paid for a certain block. If you stop the business today, how much would you need to refund? and I went through the numbers and actually most people were up to date Mm. so it worked out I needed to refund like 1200 pounds and I was like that's well worth it so I literally the next day I felt so relaxed and I think we got in the hot tub we had in Cornwall I was just like lying there like Al Capone feeling amazing and um yeah literally just got home refunded them all the money rang up the trainer who I didn't like you know he, he started getting more and more lazy he was just uh yeah, not. A good, I employed way too fast, getting too excited. Um, so I've, I had great pleasure in saying, "You're out." Um, <laughs> and he knew it was coming, you know, because of problems with the gym. Yeah. Got rid of them. Went online from complete scratch. Yeah, just went complete scratch. Um, so you basically cut like Amber sounds like she switched on. By the way, she yeah. sounds like she's got a business head on her.
0: Yeah, like doing that calculation. <laughs> a lot of guys I know would be like, right, come, you know, yeah, forget that, just like, burn the bridge. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's she's super logical at thinking, but if it's something she doesn't care about, right? So with like our dog, like she's the most emotional, correct, like she'll, she'll make me switch off the radio in case it starts a house fire if we are going to the shop. Like she's just <laughs> not, like she's the panicker, but when like, as an outside perspective, she's really, really, really good. Uh, re- and she's real, I mean, she's really high flying in her career, just aggressively moving up and up. So she's a, she's a real smart girl. And when she said, yeah, she said that to me and I just thought, yeah, why didn't I, you, I just didn't think of that and I'm and I, so glad I did. Because I basically then worked out my outgoings, and the gym was costing me a fortune. But with it between paying this trainer, mm. paying my gym rent, and what the gym did was they said it's four hundred pounds for gym rent. But they basically said you both need to pay gym rent. You need to pay it for yourself and your trainer. And I thought, so okay, doubled double up. Yeah, but got, I'm not training there, but it doesn't matter. So I, you know, I spent that whole time paying eight hundred pounds a month to a really not great gym in Bristol, yeah. which is crazy. Um, and am paying him, you know, and marketing. So I was advertised online. So it was crazy. So when I actually look back, I was like, wow, leaving the gym, you know, although it's left the, the income, it's really cut the overheads down to nut to zero, right? So there was no stress. So when I started online, it was real relaxing, which I know a lot of people aren't in that position when they start, but it was a really nice place to be. A lot um, of people are in desperation, Yeah. not they? They're like, I'm, I'm trapped. I don't want to get up at five and train people all day. I'm not making much money.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of trainers, you know, I, I've got a fitness background. A lot of people in that industry, you, you know, it's a desperation move. It's like, right, I can make a million dollars this year, like, uh, you know, Ido Portal or whoever yeah. the fuck it might be, because you know they've done it online. You know, yeah. and it, it, there's a very, there's a lot of um, unrealistic expectations oh, which are massively. fed by marketers. There are a mm. lot of. Sharky marketers in the fitness industry who a lot who used to be in the fitness industry and then very quickly worked out that the way to make money in the fitness industry is to is, is from PT, it's yeah, like
1: tell PT because they're you. desperate, they know it's the iceberg, right? They show you the peak, <laughs> they don't show you that big bit underneath, and it's yeah. it, and you're exactly right, it is that desperate place to be.
0: And also, they, they don't tell you if like you've got something unique in your training and your background and your philosophy. And a lot of trainers I know have something unique whether it's a military background or a style of training or just a population they work with, and they're genuine. Mm. There's something authentic about what they do. What a lot of the marketers don't tell the people who want to make the leap online, is that like, I'm I'm really sorry, but you've been in the industry six months, you don't have what it takes. You've got nothing (laughs) unique about you. you. You know, you're you're kind of a generic trainer. You don't have the experience. And it sounds awful. It sounds harsh in this world where it's like, no, anyone can do it. You know? Yeah. And I I think, you know, I talked about reality hacking earlier, and I think you can totally transform your reality, but within reason, which means, you know, sometimes you
1: can't. Yeah. In the area you're in, you might have to make a transition. Yeah. Sorry, interrupt. (laughs) No, I think you're absolutely right because you see it a lot in um, when you're on Facebook and you're in like software groups and business groups. You see the underbelly, you see it, and you see people saying like, Hey, I, I want to start a marketing business. Like, how do I, how do you make Facebook ads? And you think, hang on, like learn how to do stuff before you teach it. You yeah. see it all the time. I, I had an ad pop up on my Facebook, and it was a guy saying, You need to become a business coach because it's the easiest money you'll ever make. And you know that through that training he's gonna say, listen, people are desperate, you can put your prices high. Uh, and it's a it's a bad place to be. Like you see, there's so many people out there that are amazing people that have done and that's why I kind of said I wanna train naturally skinny guys that got bigger because that's what I've done. So that's, it's that's the, your story, that's your life. Oh, it's it's effortless because I'm telling people to do what I've done and like I get people you know, I feel like nutrition and training is quite subjective now. It used to be like eat healthy by, you know, <laughs> eat lots of good quality meat and veg and fruit and drink loads of water and don't drink alcohol and train hard. Now it's like, no, you need to do this. and it's like so subjective, well, technically subjective. It's crazy. So now when people argue to me, which obviously I'm online so it happens what's <laughs> happening right now my phone's on Facebook. silent yeah um, you know I, I, it doesn't worry me I'm not like oh maybe they're right because I'm like no I'm just I'm showing people what I've done that does work I've done this journey I'm showing people the roadmap. there is no question about it this is if you do the work it's it's done and that's a big problem as well online is people give people too much work to do so they can't possibly do it all and say well that's why you haven't got the results uh, like when I first started out as a Czech practitioner one thing that Paul, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's like a
0: kind of holistic health guy in California. And who's that, Paul? Paul, Paul Check. It's Czech. like it's like this place called the Czech Institute, and it used to be like the gold standard of like corrective holistic exercise, and you know, it, it was really good education, basically. Uh, and so that, that's what I, you know, my technical qualification is as a, as a Czech a practitioner, and like he was just saying that basically, he he just gave people a hundred hundred percent refund. He offered a hundred percent refund. Because if you did exactly what he said and what he asked you to do and followed the instructions, if it didn't work, it was his fault, not the person's. And there was, this, and, and I always used to do that with my clients. And I used to charge fairly high ticket stuff, and I only gave a, a refund once. And it was a guy who came to me with like hip impingement, and I did some tests and stuff like that, and it turned out that it was like cam hip impingement. So basically, there were he had like bone spurs in his acetabulum, you know, the socket yeah. of the hip, and so the the femur, like the head of the bone that goes up into the hip socket. It wasn't the case of oh he needs to do more mobility or mobility work. Yeah. It was the fact that he had like bits of bone in the way and it couldn't move properly. And I was like, well, I, I can't do anything with that. That's like surgery. So I, I gave him a refund. It's the only time I've ever given him a refund. But I, I always used to pride myself and stand by that 100 refund. That if mm. you know I was doing a shit job, if I couldn't get you results, if yeah. you did the work. And nowadays, when I've talked to coaches and mentors and people who help people, you know, take their fitness business online or whatever it is, and I mentioned, you know. Okay, I'll do some coaching with you, but will you give me a 100% money back guarantee that if I do exactly what you say? Because I will, because I'll, I'll follow it up, mm. and it doesn't work, you'll give me a refund. And they're like, no, 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 we, we would never do that because you know, we can show you what to do. Yeah, but we can't guarantee yeah, you're going to do the work. And I, I just think that's really shit. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm not saying that everyone should give a 100% money back guarantee. I just think that one thing that's been lost in the health and fitness industry is integrity authenticity and now it seems like we all want to make money we all want to have businesses but it seems like you, you finish your qualification and then within a couple of months you want to be making six figures yeah seven figures you know like
1: did you understand where yeah i see what you're saying there definitely but i also feel like the measurements of of that progress is is completely wrong like you can't see people's back balance and you can't like a lot of people you can't see the actual results they've got for most of their clients you can just see what they choose to show you so if someone's got a million Instagram followers and they're saying, you need to do this, you think, you know, Well, most people will be like, right, they're successful. I used to do that. But, you know, that isn't success. That's not it. Like, there's so many guys that, I, that I've i spoke to and I know that are doing amazing, and I mean, like, amazingly well. Like, really, um, you know, seven, eight-figure businesses that are, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, loads of their names and stuff. Uh, and you look at their Instagram and, you know, they've got, like, 6,000, yeah. and they post maybe like twice a week yeah. because that, that's not their focus. Fame like that doesn't equal income but so many people get into fitness and they think right I've seen so many influence, fitness influencers mm. um, that I must need to just post loads get like follow and unfollow loads of people get loads of followers and I'll be I'll be balling and it's just never the case like, unless you want a discount code um, from like Boohoo or something you're, like that's not the way to go like yeah. the way to go is doing it yourself finding the people that also want that and then just, like, doing everything in your power to help them, like, you you will make good money doing that. There's no way around it. I think you just said
0: something really, really interesting, which is part of what I feel is missing, part of what I'm trying to articulate is the fact that, like, find people that you genuinely, passionately want to help and can help because you have experience, skills, whatever, mm. knowledge that you can really, really help them with, and go out of your way, do anything you can to actually help them yeah. get results, and the money will probably follow. Yeah, And, like, everyone else reverse engineers it. It's like, right, okay, I want to make... <laughs> 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month, whatever it may be. And I've got, you know, I have a business background. I had a successful business and, you know, I like making money. It's more fun than being broke. (laughs) broke. I've done both. (laughs) Um, But when I was big in my uh, snowboarding clothing company, I I didn't even think about the money. No. And it just came and it was wonderful. And then I got into this trap of like, in that period of my life where I was struggling and getting into debt, I was like, fuck, you know, I, I was doing exactly what you said. Which is like right today? i have got to make 2k, which is totally unrealistic when you're broken and you don't you you know no systems in th- place to make no it. No systems, nothing. No, you know. Hang on, this book says if I just yeah, exactly. <laughs> think, think about it. I want it enough? <laughs> yeah. If I want it enough, you know, it'll 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 come up. You know, the unicorn will yeah, yeah. deliver it with like fucking fairy dust. Like that. <laughs> and I, you know, and I think people get caught up in that trap. But I was desperate, and so I was making desperate moves. I was like right, I need I need 10 grand this month. Yeah, you know, I need to I need this many clients and stuff like that. And I think. So, so I think it's really nice, really, really f- refreshing to hear you say, you know, find the clients who you can really serve and help. Do Go out of your way to help
1: them. Yeah. And then you're probably going to be successful. Well, you can you can forget about that bit so easily. Like, I don't know, if, you might have been the same, and I'm guessing most people are. When you first start an online business, you assume that it's all about the software and the systems. Yeah. Right? Like, you come online, you just think, right, how do you make Great money? Funnels. Yeah, you never think, like, like how? Could, like, what's the best thing I can do to help someone? You think like, right? They're successful. They are using yeah. They using they got a as their email list. They're using ClickFunnels. Um, so that's it. And yeah, systems, systems are, are soft. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I mean, the first guy that I even knew was making money online was a guy, and he was using that. And I just thought when I got out, I looked into it. I was like, this is what I need. And then maybe ClickFunnels must have. You know, targeted me from looking at that, and I saw an ad, and I bought the book, and I use it. And it's great software, but doesn't that software doesn't make you money? No. That's all, that like no, no way, that doesn't make you money at all. And it's one of the guys um, who's in the fitness industry. uh I can't remember was Tanner Summit. He's in America. I always see his ads. Mm. His his he's making great money, really great money, because I know he's in the ClickFunnels group and he's got the two Comic Club awards, about seven mm. of them. Mm. Um, and his funnels are horrible looking, really ugly funnels, because all he does, he actually, I mean. I don't work with him, so I have no idea. But it's not the you know it's not the design or the software he's using. It's the process that he takes through clients. That's it, and that's what you need to realise. Like. Yeah, if I, if I don't know how to get a naturally skinny guy big, I could have the best software in the world and I could buy every bit of software and email list and automation and have this crazy, I used to have this email automation thing I called the war machine. And friends would come around and look at my whiteboard. They'd be like, well, what's that? And I'd be like, that's called the war machine. That is going to make some serious cash. And it was, it was like a spider's with the things. If they click this, they go to this list and then they move here. And it was so complex, ridiculously complex to the point where if I... Went to the toilet and then came back. I kind of have to <laughs> remind myself then. like what it meant. <laughs> like, like, sorry, but you're not getting a walk today because I need to keep staring at this so I understand it. It was stupid.
0: Like really stupid. Like But that's what you're that's what you're sold. Yeah. Like, I mean, and we're digressing a little bit here into fitness business and particularly online business. Because I think that's a fantastic space for people to go into. Mm. But yeah, you're sold. It's about the technology and it's about XYZ. And like
1: actually at the end of the day, it's like any business, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, you know, you've got to have something people want. Yeah, and, and simplicity be good in,
2: it. in it. Yeah, yeah.
1: simplicity. Here, like we were saying before about like why guys in deployment, are, like it's it's a simple life. It's the same with why I say to guys, keep your you know keep your place tidy. Don't have like clutter lying around. And it's a it's a huge huge thing. Like simplicity and everything. If you have a business where you know you're well, if you have a training program, let's say, let's on fitness, it, that is just the most complicated thing in the world. If you have a diet where every few hours you're putting so many grams of spices and these weird things and, and like you're making these like potions and you're like, it's just complicated stuff. And oh, you have to eat like here and here and then not eat here and then eat here. Then, you know, it's just, it's too much. Like simplicity yeah. in absolutely everything. And that's why like my business is, is, I do one thing. I help naturally skinny guys pack on muscle. I have, if you look on my website, right? Shameless plugin, johnnycollinsuk.com. There's, you will see like, oh wow. He really just, he wants me to do one thing and that is it. Like it's just the most simple yeah. thing in the world. There's there's tabs that say who I am uh, and then there's a, you know, the page like showing the results guys have got and then a button, the same buttons on every page. I just want you to do this one thing because stuff has to be simple. So people won't do it. What do you want people to do? Just I, all the website just leads people to watch my video training. And then on the video training, it's given them real simple actions like, like, cause I think, you know, you can, on a website, if it just told people exactly what to do, people would look at it and be like, ah. But then video training, you know, you have to click and you have to commit to watching it. You have to take some little steps. Yeah, you have to really sit down, it has to be quiet, you have to watch this training. This train is going to tell you like, simple things that you need to do and things that you've done that hasn't worked. Like it keeps things so simple. It's not going to say, do this and this and this and this and tie it all together and make a war machine on your whiteboard. It's just too much. It's just simple actions. Okay, cause that's why we're designed to be simple you know this leads me back to something i've said to clients a lot you know and it's basically like if you want to
0: get stronger it's not rocket science mm. there are there are ways you can fine tune it and the more training history and more years you've been doing it the more advanced you mm. have to get but it's kind of simple stuff mm. you know yeah you know, you lift heavier <laughs> progressive stuff, overload progressive right. overload <laughs> you'll and win if, and if you want to get bigger you have to have calorie surplus like a you know like energy yeah. positive energy balance and it's like but 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 you know in the world of biohacking that stuff's kind
2: of like, yeah yeah you know, yeah yes that <laughs> stuff's, you know
0: that's that's easy mm. uh, it's not easy to teach and it's, people don't know it i'm always amazed i talk to clients about nutrition and they don't know yeah. don't know about protein don't know
1: what it is yeah or like, well, you say what have you tried before and you're, you're the question is what training programs have you tried like and they, they say to you well i've tried protein and you say, what do yeah. you mean you tried? It didn't work, it didn't work <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, no, it probably doesn't work for me. But that's <laughs> impressive stuff. What you...
0: Protein, proteus, means the primary. It's the primary nutrient.
1: Okay. And almost
0: every cell, and it comes from the Greek, and almost every cell in the body is reliant on protein for signaling, communication, like yeah. the little reactions that have to happen. Yeah. It's like
1: protein does that kind of shit. <laughs> exactly that, yeah. And it does a lot of other stuff as well, but it's, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's everything, yeah. And it's <laughs> when people say, like, i tried this, and you just think, no, no, no. You don't try these different things, like just a simple routine. And like you said, you do just, you know, if you wanna get stronger, lift heavier progressively. The amount of guys like, I get asked all the time, and I'm sure you do as well, all the time, when you'll be sat around with friends, some people you don't know, and then someone will say like, oh yeah, he's into his fitness, and they'll say, oh, how do I get rid of this then? And I'll like tap the stomach or, or something along those lines or like with a pint in there. Yeah, head. yeah. And you'll just be like,
2: what? <laughs> oh, well, <man.
1: laughs> what what are you doing at the moment? Yeah. Nothing. And then you'll be like, all right, well, you need to like, I mean, eat clean. Like Hepler, like, just start off simple, like eat well. Yeah, but I'm really busy and I don't have time yeah, yeah. for that. Or what supplements can I take? And you'll be like, whoa, well, like in my training, they don't even learn about supplements until week three. Because yeah. and I say this in the training, I say, to put them on the same like even the same module the same week as diet is ridiculous like that is just like diets on the pedestal uh, supplements yeah like when you've cracked diet and you're getting and your diet is perfect right your diet has to be like exactly how you want to be you're not waking up groggy you haven't got low energy and a low sex drive you're feeling good you're you're seeing your body changing then it's time to to enhance it okay because supplements don't their supplement, they're supplemental yeah, exactly. And people think this is how people think of supplements, and this is quite true, I'd say, for 90% of guys I speak to. Guys think supplements are things that I can take that require no extra work that will enhance the results, but actually, good supplements are things that enhance your capacity to do something, right? So, creatine doesn't you know, you take creatine and boom, I will get better results. No, creatine enhances your capacity in the gym. That's what it does, it's an energy system. So it's not something it's not a case of you taking some it, you'll get better results. Even like testosterone like good things like, like pine pollen is a good testosterone booster. So I take it, that doesn't mean I automatically get better results. It means like testosterone enhanced, which allows me to push harder in the gym. My muscles can repair faster so I can push harder in the next session. Obviously affects your mindset so I feel more positive. So I'm gonna eat cleaner. But that's what supplements do. They enhance your performance, not something that you just, you know, I'll take this and I'll get better results without any extra work. That's e- not... Even to the level of anabolics
0: and anabolic steroids, mm. it's not like you, you, you use anabolic steroids and bang, you're like Popeye. Yeah. It, it allows you to train harder yeah. and recover quicker. Exactly. And you know, enhances your natural capacity, but you still have to do the work. And if you sit on the sofa and take to- uh, like testosterone,
1: you know you're yeah. not going to get the results. I say want- to people, you will know people that are on steroids. You will know them and not know they're on steroids because they're not in good shape. Yeah. i promise you like obviously in the army technically you're not allowed but there's plenty of guys in the other steroids and you, you see them and you're like wow and i mean i've got friends that take steroids i don't personally but I've, i i'd say in my training they are not wrong they are different so you can't train and eat how someone on steroids is because their bodies are reacting differently i'm not saying it's wrong but it is different i mean the reason that i don't take them if i'm brutally honest is probably more laziness because i don't have the knowledge to find out how to do it really safely, because you do need that. It takes a lot, a yeah. lot of research. And, and I would rather do it natural because that's what my knowledge is there. Right? I've got friends that take it and I think that's fine, like guys that are professionals. Like absolutely if that's what you're doing, that's fine. But for the guys that just don't know about it and are just taking it, it's dangerous. They are you're crippling yeah. your natural endocrine output. It's it's yeah. terrible. Yeah.
0: I, and I think this is a really, really important conversation. Not the anabolics, but the basics, mm. covering the basics. And I think in the world, I keep on talking about it, biohacking. But I'm fascinated by research and the latest XYZ mm. and something that gives you the edge. And I love all that stuff. But I want people to understand that the magic is in the low hanging fruit. Yeah. If you've got no idea how much protein you're eating per day, like, I challenge you to track it. And it will be a lot lower than you think. <laughs> yeah. Like almost every man I've asked to track protein, and I'm not a big fan of tracking, uh, like calorie counting and tracking just because I don't do it myself because it bores the fuck out of me (laughs) and it takes the fun out of food it turns food into numbers and you know building blocks which it kind of is but you know anyway so but when people do track for a short period of time which I think is really really important to Mm. understand what's going in the tank they're like yeah I eat lots of protein I eat lots of protein it's usually like 70-80 grams
1: a day for a
0: man and like you take an average guy you know you want to be hitting more protein than that
1: big time yeah
0: so we'll come back to that.
1: Um, do you think we're suffering from a crisis of masculinity in yeah. the world, in our society? Big time, yeah. And do you know, I spoke to um, one of my friends about this before and this was us was just like, you know, chilling out, just speaking freely, but I like, I, I came to the conclusion that masculinity is perceived as, yes, useful now. That's what it is. Like, we are amazing in dangerous situations, right? Absolutely. And people will be looking at it. Blokes they know and think, nah, because they're seeing this guy slouched on the sofa, like in terrible shape, like fat, fe- like in, in, uh, like, it's kind of doing, like, almost like a feminine mindset. And by that, I just mean, like, not, no aggression, no, like, aggressive, determined drive. It's, um, and their sex drive is usually, like, rock bottom. And it's because masculinity is at being dangerous right it makes you broader it may even heighten your inclination to take risks in your brain that's what testosterone does so you want to put yourself in more dangerous situations that's what you want to do because we had to right we we were hunters and fighters you didn't want to go in the dangerous situations you wouldn't survive like that wouldn't have happened so nowadays it's kind of masculinity is is perceived as less valuable which is a crazy thing because actually when you sit back it's more valuable than ever. It's still hugely important to be like a good man. I mean, guys that if you like, heaven forbid, if something should happen to you in your family, the first thing you're gonna do is is call the police, a protector, right? That's what you're gonna do because mm-hmm. we need them. You need to have some sort of guys that are and a lot of um, like kind of philosophers in the masculine space talk about this being a man capable of violence with so like a masculine man who's capable of violence but with a strong moral compass those two together in my eyes is the key to masculinity being morally strong and being a good man but also being capable of extreme danger right and I think that's so so useful now what is a good man
0: like what do you think makes a good man this is a this is a personal thing but you know what's your definition
1: of you know a good man I think a man it's almost like a set of rules and it sounds a little bit cliche but it's all the obvious stuff like, without a doubt, I think men should be broad and strong. I really do. And a lot of guys will just say, like, I mean, usually guys that aren't broad and strong will say, no, I don't think so. But I'm not talking like bodybuilder. I'm just talking like, you know, strong. Like, if someone says, hey, give me a hand lifting this, you're not you're not laughable, right? You should, you should look after your physique. You should have some strength. Um, I think guys should always take responsibility for everything. I think if I if I see a guy and I'm talking to him and something goes wrong and he takes the blame, I cannot help it in my head, I think that's a really good man. I think take the blame for everything. Something goes wrong and it's not even your fault, just take the blame. It's a really good thing to adopt. I think a good man has, I've spoken about rules before, and I guess rules and morals same thing, things that he sticks by. He doesn't get deterred because, oh, well, they're doing that, right? So I should do it too. No, he's, he's strong, he's focused on what he wants. Um, confidence. I think that's a really, really big thing. I don't think men should be timid and meek and they might start that way, but they should work on their confidence. Okay, There's nothing wrong with starting somewhere. Okay, If you're really skinny and small and you don't feel masculine and you are timid and shy, if you take one single step to be bigger, stronger, more confident, taking responsibility, one single step and you promise yourself you'll continue to instantly, you are a good man. Like you are you don't have to like work towards being it like because I mean you're never gonna reach where you wanna be. You wanna keep climbing and climbing and climbing. But as soon as you've decided, you know what, I'm not gonna just go off to people and say that the best way to be is how I am to make myself feel better. I'm gonna start moving forward and, and being more of what I know a man should be. Broad, powerful, in control, confident, willing to look out for those around him. I think that's a huge thing. And that's a little bit politically correct, is it I guess a little bit now we're saying like men should look after people because you would immediately think financially. Um, but I think I think in every area, I think you know when uh, when I pick Amber up from the train station after she's been for a night out and it's dark and she'll say things to me like oh, I'm so glad you're here. I feel good. Right when we first ever went on a date um, and she said to me um, and I, we were talking about how what you first thought when we first went out and stuff and she said oh I just remember feeling like really safe that is better than anything anyone could ever say to me. Like that just immediately, because that's what, that's what being a man is, is looking after those people you care about, right? And if it means financially, like how amazing, like how bad did you feel when you're in the attic, right? And you thought, I felt oh, shit. Like, yeah, and it's not, you know, it's not because it was raining, because it was sunny, you said. It's because you couldn't like after like your family, you were like, how am I going to support my family? And it's not because you're some like, horrible, sexist guy that thinks men uh, should always be the breadwinners. It's because you have a natural inclination to look after people you care about. And in this day and age, more than ever, financially is how you do it. Like that is, it's nice to do nice things. It doesn't matter if it's me going and buying dinner for Amber and, and then making it for her so it's here, that's a way of looking after It doesn't matter if it's me walking her through a, a bad neighbourhood because it, it's late and she needs to get somewhere, right? It's just you feel good being a protector. So that is essentially what I believe to be like masculinity, is taking responsibility, being in control, and that is of your physical state, your financial state, every state. And yeah. That kind of fits a lot with kind of my definition, although I think that,
0: you know, from my personal experience, you know, I said, oh, I felt shit when I was up in the attic there. I felt worse than shit. I felt completely like, I felt that it was not, I I was not suicidal or anything like that. You know, I'm very pleased that, you know, I didn't get into that kind of state. But I felt like it was game over in the sense that that was it. I was washed up. I didn't see any way out. Literally dead end. Couldn't see any way forwards. And I I was completely apathetic. I I didn't give a fuck about anything. Apart from my wife and my kids who I loved. I did not give a shit about anything. Yeah, I, I, it's weird. I couldn't. Ki- I couldn't kickstart myself. I was. I think it was depression, basically. You know, it was just. I really do
1: not give a shit. I don't give a yeah. fuck about anything. Part nothing family, else matters, but nothing. this thing. Right, this problem is so overwhelming and crippling. Yeah. Nothing else matters in the world. And and as I said,
0: you know, that time, my wife, you know, yes, the financial thing was a massive thing for me. You know, not being able to provide. Getting into debt, feeling like a failure, was a massive, massive thing. Not because my wife has ever asked. You know, she, she. I don't think she wants me to be rich, like really highly successful. You know, she's way more intelligent, way more capable than me. She's <laughs> like, honestly, she's fucking formidable. Um, she's never asked for any of those things. But I think, and this maybe sounds a bit, maybe it's just me, but I think there's something hardwired into men, certain men, not all men, something hardwired into men that. You want to be able to be useful. Yeah. You want to be able to protect. You want to be able to provide, even if you don't need to. Yeah. Even if you're you know, your wife or your partner or whatever is highly capable and you know earns her own income and you know, you know, is completely self sufficient. There's still something I think about you wants to be able to fulfill a certain role for your kids and you know provide certain things. And I think that that that,
1: that for me that was the biggest thing. Knowing I wasn't doing that, I wasn't able to is like it's that what it's exactly what you just said that one word useful it's being useful like and it's like you say you you can try and like define like what it means to feel like a man and stuff but you can feel it you can feel it and i felt really unmasculine before uh, and i felt really masculine before and when you break it down like why it's it's how useful you feel right if i'm like say say i want to get the uh well actually um when I first left uh, and I needed some extra cash, when the first few months I was sitting at the gym, I was labouring and my friend there uh, was an electrician. And I just said, oh, I'll give you a hand Um, with this. We were just building it. It was a restaurant thing in Froome. And there was two electricians there and me, and I had no idea about electrics, like not a clue at all. And I felt useless. Yeah. And, it, and that's the feeling of like, I just didn't feel good about myself. And, you know, someone else might have been like, yeah, it's fine, I don't know how to do this, so I'm, I'm happy to help. But me, I, I really didn't feel good. I felt useless. And it made me, and I didn't do this, but it really made me just want to like go home and do like an online electrician's course or something. And then, <laughs> then i like go back and be like, guys, well, yeah. I can do it now. <laughs> like I just felt so useless. And the, what they say, and this is a thing that you'll read about a lot when you look into like masculinity and stuff is, is like being good at being a man is being good at the tasks that men needed to be good at, right? The things that testosterone makes us good at. So being strong, being good at, uh, being good at violence, right? And it's why if you meet like a, I don't know, if you're in the army and you meet a soldier who's just like killing it at the gym in really good shape and you know he's deployed to loads of like, done loads of like good things, like impressive things, you can't help but be impressed by him. Right, you just can't help it. If you meet a guy and he comes around and he's just like humble, really nice and confident, and you find out that you know he's a I don't know, say he's a, a cage fighter with a really good record, uh, and also he 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 looks after his you know I say his, his wife doesn't work and he looks after her. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but you wouldn't help to feel like, hey, this is a, a good guy. Like he's, he looks after his family. He's capable of violence. Like, and even if you hate those things, if there's something inside you, you will feel like. This is an impressive guy because we, even now to this day, we judge other men on their capacity for doing those things. Yeah. Right. You feel like my brother is an insanely smart guy. Like, um, just finished his doctorate in mathematics, like working in London in the banks. He's insanely smart. But really I walk past when he's coming for Christmas and do the, um, his Coursework, I, it looked like the beautiful mind stuff. I was like, Man, don't <laughs> all stop, like, pretend, ooh, yeah. <laughs> stop <laughs> pretending to write real things, that is ridiculous. Um, but you know, if I looked at him and I'm just like, You know what, like you, you wouldn't look at him and be like, Wow, what a masculine guy! because you still judge guys on their capacity to be violent and take control. So you might look at a guy and he might be killing it in life by being a genius, but you'll still judge, like, in a, some primal level inside in your head. You'll still, you'll think, you know what? I want the guy sat next to me who I know if, if it kicks off, like he's got my back, and we're going to be good together. That you just can't shake it. You could be sat in the nicest area of the nicest place in England, right? And you're still, you're still going to want to attach yourself to people that are good at our initial role. It, it can't be helped. It's kind of like peace through superior firepower, like that kind of idea. Yeah. comes
0: from like Point Break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember that film, but anyway. And I remember, like, when I lived in London for a while, when I was like in my early twenties, and um, I remember going to these Shaolin Kung Fu classes, and they were—it was, was a part of like, I think the official Shaolin Temple in London, and it was run by a guy who was an actual monk. He'd come over, and he was a European, I don't know, head of whatever part <laughs> yeah. of the temple, and he—he he competed in like martial arts because he wanted to sort of showcase the arts they did, and he's a Buddhist monk, and so he's really, really humble, but his fucking hard as nails yeah and like you, you know you could probably never provoke him he would never have a fight with anybody yeah. he's the most chilled guy you know like obviously dedicated to buddhism and non-violence and stuff like that however he was also like completely like his, his hands were like kind of like you know like slightly misshapen because like yeah, yeah. And, and he just and his physique and stuff like that he wasn't like really really big but he just was and he was like mega peaceful and stuff and you still looked at him like what what a man you knew he was like highly capable. Yeah. but And also, you know, could, could crush it in terms of fitness and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, it was just um, nothing to prove. Mm. never would. And I know other guys like that who are, you know, successful in like BJJ, um, you know, who've been in the military and bits and pieces like that. And they, you know, they're pretty handy, mm. you know. Um, but they're probably the least aggressive people yeah. I know. Whereas I think the guys who probably can't back it up often maybe
1: some of the more aggressive guys yeah. that you see in society. Definitely. Perhaps yeah. get themselves into trouble. You, you see it in doorman. You'll see it in doorman. You see the yeah. smallest doorman is always the guy that's getting in trouble because he lashed out at a customer and he could have just easily talked him out of the place. I mean, I, I've got a friend um called Nick, I call him Big Nick, obviously. Um, he's, <laughs> of course. And he's huge. And you've never felt a softer handshake. Yeah. Like ever. He's just... When, when you're at that level you've just got nothing to prove and it's a good place to be because that's kind of why I spoke about when I was a kid real skinny you know I was just naughty all the time at school and I was just a class clown I was just constantly trying to prove some sort of value mm. but the guys that have real value just don't need to do it yeah and I think this is something it's like, like I'm 43 and you
0: know it's taken me a long time like I had early success thought I'd kind of made it Perhaps probably probably got a little bit carried away with my own you know myself and my you know how good I was and yeah. you know and then thought right you know I've done that I can make fitness business work and you know shit went wrong for a while and you know I got humbled I got like my ass handed to me basically mm-hmm. and and I thought okay I'm coming out of it and it, it took seven years and you know it was it was hard and um I think the thing I'm realizing is it's basically that you know just not having anything to prove. trying to kind of like be humble I think humble is a good word but like I think useful as well like useful and personal responsibility is really interesting what sort of stands out to me from what you said what I want to talk about like related to masculinity I mean I, I think that there's, I think there's a crisis of meaning and I think it's not just a masculine thing I think it's men and women and in society at large I think a lot of people are suffering from like a crisis of meaning they're a little bit directionless they they kind of can't quite put their finger on it, but they feel like there's something missing from life. And I think for a lot of men, yeah. it is feeling stronger, feeling more masculine, being a provider, you know, being able to sort of look after your family in certain situations. But I think a lot of women also have this kind of slight vacuum of like, I don't know, this slight emptiness, like there's something missing from life. And I don't, know, I don't know if you think that the, the kind of crisis of masculinity fits into this broader thing in society. You know, like uh, a lot of people seem to be a bit lost.
1: Yeah. No, I think so. I think we're. I, as animals, we we should be happy, right? The balance in our, our our chemical brain should be like happiness. And if we're not doing what we should be doing, we're not going to have that. And we shouldn't like survive. So, I don't know if you've seen um Stephen Ilardi, that's name, the Depression Cure, the book. Oh no, I haven't seen that. No, and he he's got some interesting stuff in there. But he basically says like his exact quote is something like, "We are not built for this fast food laden, sleep deprived, fast paced, frenzied way of life." like he, he's like we're we're not made for it like we cannot survive in it and that's why so many people are like stuck and struggling for meaning because they're they're just living incorrectly right like maybe it's a, a bit of it is living too politically correctly where we basically denying all of like what's natural like we just we're like no that's not the case like no men shouldn't be um, strong no you shouldn't don't show any signs of aggression ever violence is always always bad um, all these things like kind of just putting us in a cage right and just trying to make timid humans and you're never going to feel a deep satisfaction when you're living like that ever if you just follow like society's rules and doing live exactly how you believe you should live and then take any other stuff from scrolling through instagram and seeing how other people live in and that's how you base how you live you will never ever ever feel fulfilled whereas if you strip everything back and you think what is important to me right or my family so for me it's my partner and my dog right super important to me. Um, what else is important? My business, because I want to help as many men as I can. My mental and physical state, really important for me. Um, and and that's it. So I'm just like, right, so what should my day consist of? It shouldn't consist of all this pointless stuff that everyone's doing, like going out, drinking loads, um, like, you know, watching endless, endless, pointless reality TV, but all this stuff that really like drains you, like, and makes your life more complicated than getting into debt. So you've got letters coming through the post that depress you every time you look at them. And then buying stuff you don't need. So your house is a little bit too cluttered. Um so you you know, you don't actually, you know, the simplicity of the house is gone. You're doing all that stuff when actually you should be like, right, what's important? The business, so I'm gonna put you know a few hours just to progressively grow my business. What's important? My dog and my girlfriend, I'm definitely gonna spend some time with them tonight. What we're gonna do? We're gonna eat some good food together, sit at the table and talk. Like that's gonna be good for our heads. It's like the most Simple actions throughout the day that just force, like you know, stacking up wins throughout the day to end in that big final win. You're gonna feel happy. You're gonna feel fulfilled. You're gonna feel like you're moving forward. Because every time I've ever felt down or depressed or not great, it's always come. It's not come from adding something extra. It's always come from stripping back. It's like right, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna get rid of that. And that's why you know one of the reasons I cut my morning routine back. My morning routine was rigid and so complex all these different things that were going to make me feel amazing i read this page of this book and do this and and breathe for this many minutes um i think about this and then meditate this um when really even that was overwhelming and just stopped me feeling happy and fulfilled because it's too much i stripped it back now i've got a morning book that i flip through and i have a brew i take butter for a wee mm. and i love it and it's very simple my every part of my day is simple simple suffering and winning that is it Nice SSW, simple suffering. You know. <laughs> yes. um,
0: yeah, I, I think the thing is like it becomes a box ticking exercise, particularly things like morning routines, because you, you, Tim Ferriss, you know, like does it because he's modeled like X, Y, Z billionaires and yeah. they do it. So it's going to work for you. And, you know, if you do these four things, you might become Bill Gates. So, like it, yeah. it doesn't work like that. But still, people, I think people still have this fallacy in their head that it mm-hmm. might. And it becomes a box sticking exercise. I haven't done my breathing. I haven't, you know, I didn't. I've looked at my sleep tracker, and it wasn't good enough. And I think we get this real performance anxiety. Yeah. And um, you know, it, it ends up being kind of like self defeating. It just doesn't help. And I, I've done, I did a, a really good private session with a Wim Hof instructor. Unfortunately, not Wim himself, but you know, Vim or whatever. Yeah. But, um, and a really nice Emma, um, and she was really, really good. And we did like a three hour session, and it was like, you know, two hours of breathing, and then we did the ice bath, two minute ice bath, and it nice. was awesome. I felt amazing. But I don't do the breathing in the mornings because I can't be asked. Yeah, I like I just uh, you know I want to improve myself I? and and I, I, and I know it makes a difference. But I know there are other things I can put my time into that will yeah. make my quality of life better. And just because other people are doing it and experimenting with it and saying it really works for them doesn't yeah. mean you kind of have to. And I think Definitely. so. I've got this kind of rule that I've adapted, which is like fixed but flexible. Okay. It's like here's the shit you should be doing. Yeah. But actually. You know, life life is a is a beautiful journey and you know, if it's not if it's not flexible to a certain degree and you can adapt and you can have variety and you can fast here, or you can have breakfast here, yeah. You know, like it becomes just like religion that people get completely attached yeah. to. And it and takes the like the good bits of it is sucked yeah. out when you're that rigid. It's like you know, it's like that cheesy Bruce Lee quote, you know, if you if you look at the finger pointing to the moon and if you just focus on the finger, you're gonna miss all of that beautiful glory of the moon. Yeah. And yeah. It's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like people stop living life because they're trying to tick all the boxes. Yeah. Um, so, what's a dangerous man? I've, I've heard you speak about this. And I think you made a video about it and like mm. done some like a vlog and you know maybe blog post about it. And, uh, and I found it interesting because I think it's something that could probably be really based on what we've just talked about masculinity. Yeah. I think there's a slight trend over the last five years of like people, certain people promoting masculinity, which is not the best kind of masculinity. Like mm. a bit kind of like. I'm thinking of some American people, (laughs) uh, some gun-toting kind of... I don't know, I want to be careful with what I say, but, you know, promoting not a great brand of, like, alpha male. It's like a cartoon version. Yeah, exactly. And then, so basically... But I've heard you talk about the dangerous man kind of concept, which I think is fairly unique Mm -hmm. to you. And I wondered
1: if you could explain what that means. uh. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I I think every man should be a dangerous man. And there's a a difference that a lot of men will point out, and you'll see this... um, a lot when you like when you read this kind of thing, you see people talking about like being peaceful and how being peaceful is the best thing. Now, in this in this day and age, you you know, it's peaceful most of the time if you live in a nice place like we do, right? In in England, it's it's not terrible, but you've got to realise the difference between uh a peaceful guy that is capable of, of violence, right? That's a dangerous man, a good dangerous man, versus a peaceful guy that isn't. Uh, he'll he'll act like that's impressive he's peaceful he, he's just harmless he's just a harmless guy it's not the same thing a dangerous man you can see easily and a lot of guys will think right I'm going to be a dangerous man and they'll walk into the room with you know their eyebrows crunched up to their eyes looking stern like looking ter- <laughs> terrifying and Get you just confused <laughs> yeah people you see a lot of guys doing the gym a lot of guys that are anxious and don't have a lot of confidence you'll see them in the gym looking really stern like they're angry because they're trying to look dangerous because they think that. That is a substitute for their anxiety. That's not a dangerous man. A dangerous man has, for one, confidence in his abilities, right? So he's never gonna lash out and be aggressive to someone to prove a point because he has absolute confidence in in his abilities. Um, But also, physically, you can spot him. Okay, you can spot a a dangerous guy because he's got that, the, the things that testosterone create, right? The broad shoulders, the big, powerful chest, the big arms. Like you look at these guys and you think, I don't wanna fuck with that guy. Like, I don't know why. You could just you've never seen him before. You see him in a cafe. I wouldn't fuck with that guy and I wouldn't race him either. Because he looks pretty capable, like all around, just like a dangerous guy. Mm. Right? A highly capable guy. Like we spoke about before, what masculinity is. A guy that can, you know, protect his tribe. That's a dangerous guy. He's able to fight. He he can look after himself, he can defend the people he likes, and he's got the confidence to do it. And he's not a liability in the sense of when it's not dangerous, he's just reckless. I do have and that's his name. I've got a friend like that who's just, you know, he's a great guy. He's done some incredible things in his military career. Um, but he's just a real lasher-outer. And it's just, it's not impressive. very um, unpredictable. Yeah, and it's just, it's there's no control there. And you just think, that's a guy, and that's a dangerous guy in a different sense, like an unreliable guy. That's a dangerous guy in the sense that he shouldn't be that way. Whereas a dangerous guy, in the sense I'm talking about, is a guy with great capacity for danger and great control in, in unleashing it or not. Yeah, he's got that killer instinct. And, he, and those guys, these guys will always be highly successful, always, because they're always driven. They're not late to work and then doing the bare minimum because they've got that killer instinct. They are highly driven. They will climb very, very fast. Um, but also, you don't want to mess with anyone that these guys care about because they're just relentless in protecting the ones they care about and moving forward. That's a dangerous man, okay? And you want to be a dangerous man. And they can perhaps, like... You know the
0: difference between the guy you mentioned and these other guys. You know your definition is that they can channel that aggression yeah. into you know business, into fat, whatever it may be, whatever floats their boat. They can they can funnel it into something, but it's there if they need it. Like oh, one thing I have, one kind of fear I have is like you know going up to London or something like that, and I've got four kids and my wife and stuff like that. If something happens in the light of the kind of things, and I know the chances are very slim. You know like terrorist attacks and these crazy things yeah. that can happen nowadays. I don't worry about that stuff. But my little boy, like he's he's ten, and he gets a bit like affected when he hears anything on the news. He gets a bit nervous and a, a bit affected by some of these things. And so it made me think, how would I react in that situation? And like you know, I think it there's something there's a part of me that wants to know that I would be capable, I'd be able to handle myself, or diffuse the situation, or whatever it takes to kind of protect and look after my you know. And and, and that's definitely a worry. I think sometimes when you've got you know kids and you know family and you. I don't know if everyone thinks about this, but I know that I don't have any training. I don't have a background that allows me to know right if this happened, I would do X, Y, Z, and I know I could take care of the situation. And I think it'd be really useful for like most people and men to have some kind of basic training, some yeah. kind of framework that allows them to know how to manage life. Yeah, and I think that's why fitness comes in, you know, and why some people really respond well to health and fitness because it gives you a framework, it gives you goals, it gives you. Skills and it doesn't necessarily make
1: you, you know, dangerous.
0: But you know, if you took that training into other areas, you could get those skills.
1: Yeah, and I think if guys did focus on learning how to be more dangerous, right, taking control of their physiques, so they looked more powerful. They were capable as well as that. There'd be loads, loads less problems. Like on night's out, like I, I mean, I, I worked the doors for a little bit, and you see most of the violence, the horrible stuff that happens on nights out, is is weak men proving themselves. Mm. That's it. I think when you're confident and in control um and capable of of violence that you can you know and the aggression is massively channeled you can you know it's never it's never out of control it's so much easier to just get on with life knowing in the back of your head that you're secure you're you, you can handle whatever comes at you it's just a it's a much better place to be rather than like kind of thinking right it's prove myself because they're here always wondering like oh I hope no one bigger than me comes because then they might not be worried about me and it's, it's like a just a little rodent mindset and it's not good <laughs> and it comes back to belief and confidence and like mm. self-esteem I think probably doesn't it big time yeah yeah
0: definitely so Johnny you've mentioned testosterone a couple of times and you know the importance for men trying to build muscle like skinny skinny guys trying to pack on muscle also just you know testosterone for male hormone and you know it comes into lots and lots of things that you've talked about mindset confidence uh like perhaps like aggressive you know kind of action things like that so i i think you know i've started to test a few clients i've worked with over the last couple of years uh the more i've learned about testosterone but i'm not in any way like an expert i haven't really followed up what i've done is i've referred people i've said actually you know, there are a few alarm bells are ringing. You might have low testosterone levels. Why didn't you go here and get it tested, and they'll tell you what to do? But for someone listening, like, what are some of the symptoms, and then also some of the side effects to their life of having low testosterone, like
1: in your experience? Okay, um, it's uh, and by the way, I'm by no means an expert either um, in testosterone specifically, but it's it's really important that everyone knows about it okay it is a key key player when it comes to your mindset your physique and if you've got low testosterone which you massively could do it's becoming more and more common just because of the way we're living in fact i think testosterone levels are dropping by 1.4 percent a year regardless of age which is terrifying just because of just the way we're living it's, life's done. yeah um you know, porn, Every, like, men just watch porn all the time now. This is just you know, like some people prefer it to sex. It's a testosterone killer, um, processed food. Food's probably the biggest thing, lack of sleep. So low testosterone, I mean, it's the male sex hormones, So You're going to notice it in your sex drive initially. If you're not, and obviously like if, you, if, you're, if you're, as you get older, this will change. But, you know, if you're just a, you know, young, middle-aged, healthy guy, you should still be waking up in the morning with a hard on. Yeah. you should yeah. yeah that is good testosterone levels if you're not it'd be time to optimize them but they're more more specifically like your sex drive in general like if you're if you have a a disinterest in sex it's time to do something about it you, like as animals that is what we are designed to do like you should men should <laughs> always be in the mood right like you should have you should have a high sex drive um and obviously it's going to drop as you get um, older maybe yeah <laughs> but um, yeah if you if you if you just see like a week's gone past and you just have and you're not interested uh, in having sex summit is not right this sounds awful I, I... like <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> my, my wife is like you know occasionally have
0: conversations with friends no names mentioned and like you know because I think women tend to discuss sex and sex life more than men do and like, occasionally I've heard the tail end of conversations where Certain couples, you know, m- might not have sex for a couple of weeks, and I'm I'm not fucking horrified by that because I I think I have quite a high you know sex drive and I always have had, and um, you know I'm, I feel very thankful for that. And it was just it, I just couldn't get my head around the fact that there might be some guys out there who you know maybe married to someone they love and fancy and find
1: attractive, and they don't want to have sex with them or haven't had sex for a couple of weeks or a month or something. But, like what they can do is they can misunderstand their sex because I was speaking to a friend of mine about this very thing. And he was talking about testosterone. Um, he, he's, a, he's a bigger guy than me, naturally, um, but I'm bigger than him now. We weren't talking about muscle stuff. It was it was literally just about, he's like, oh, I didn't feel driven. I was like, oh, mate, you've got to live well because it's going to help to optimize testosterone. He said, oh, testosterone. My testosterone level's higher. I'm, and he was like, I'm masturbating like, every day. And I, you, you can't get those two things confused, right? Because masturbation like is, is easy and effortless and doesn't have that chemical release, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have, it, it's not... If you have low testosterone levels, you're still you still might be inclined to watch some porn and masturbate. That's, it's not the same thing. I'm talking mm. sex, okay? Because how testosterone reacts with estrogen, the female sex hormone, right? Mm. It's how it reacts and makes you want to have sex with that person. It's, mm. it's not about looking at a screen and masturbating. So you can't get those things confused. So physically having sex with a person, like you know, partner, wife, whatever, you know, girlfriend, is different to like masturbation. Basically, oh, you know, different yeah.
0: to like, watching porn. Hugely, yeah.
1: Hugely. There's nothing wrong with masturbating, uh, within <laughs> with a reason, like a quick job, like
2: <laughs> keep uh, it under control.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> down everyone. Um, but watching porn is a killer. Like I tell everyone, just stop watching porn. It ruins the connections in your brain because although like watching porn doesn't drop testosterone, mm. watching porn will ruin your sex drive because it kind of trains you to be into different things and that is why like and I've spoke to loads of friends about this who have said like they're nodding when I say this I say when you watch porn you can't then you can't just watch people having sex it progresses you need more and more weird and wonderful porn mm. like it gets to the point where guys are' watching porn for years now they have to watch I'm not gonna describe some weird stuff but you know imagine <laughs> just imagine like it, it has to be that or they're just okay. not gonna get through it and it, it's a real problem because then when it comes to having sex you don't really want to because you not that you see it as boring But you're more turned on by that, that visual, that graphic, visual and quite extreme thing that you have to watch now. Mm. And it's not a good place to be. And I I guess unrealistic expectations as well, because, you know,
0: the reality of sex, especially if you've been married for a long time, you can have an amazing sex life. But perhaps sex in real life is not how it is in porn. Yeah, like uh, you know, it, that that's that's fake, and it's like kind of it's kind of like marketing in, in the sense that it's designed to trigger certain <laughs> things and get people to react in a certain way. But um, I think if, if if a lot of guys, especially younger guys, if that's their first experience exposure to sex, then their realistic they're, their expectation
1: could be really unrealistic when they come to have sex with a yeah. someone they care about. But, I mean, a lot of the time, they won't. I've had clients that have, and I say to them, like, what's your sex drive like, one out of ten? And they'll say, oh, uh, I haven't had sex. And they'll be you know, in their 20s, and I'll mm. say, uh, why not? And they, and they won't say things like, oh, I'm trying. They'll, they'll be like, oh, it just hasn't happened. And and I know they're watching porn, and it becomes less important to them. Okay. That's what it is. Because they're kind of covering that base. They yeah. Think, more, yeah. But What we talked about before with having that chemical balance in your brain that tells you if you're doing something right, within reason, you can't. I don't mean, like hey, cocaine makes me feel good, so it must be good. I mean like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I mean like doing things, like natural things and feeling amazing is a good indicator that it's the right thing. And no Mm -hmm. one ever like finishes masturbating, watching porn and feels great. Like you don't, but you have sex, you feel good. You're connected with that person that you care about. You've spiked testosterone because you've had sex. You feel it and you, that dopamine release and you know, you you sleep like a baby. Like Mm -hmm. sex is good in every single way. But masturbation, watching porn, you can tell by how it makes you feel. Like, sure, it becomes like you want to do it when, you know, no one's in the house. Uh, but Furtive. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. <laughs> but afterwards, you know, the clue is in how you feel. Like, yeah. you don't have that testosterone spike. It just, it crushes your sex drive more and more. Every, like, masturbation watching porn is a loss that you've wrapped up for the day. Sex is a win. But mm-hmm. that is that's, that is it. <laughs> that's a really interesting way to
0: look at it as well because I know, and, you know, I know that sort of, having like physical sex with another person reinforces pair bonding and mm-hmm. I think, you know, releases oxytocin as well. Like the kind of the love hormone. Yeah. And so, you know, you're, it's not just that kind of, you know, you're just having sex. You're, you know, you're, you're kind of reinforcing the bond and you know, it has, does a lot of different things, basically a lot of different, like complicated stuff that I'm sure I don't understand. But so that's one thing with testosterone, like, are you getting, are you waking up with an erection basically mm-hmm. morning wood, yeah. morning flagpole? Do you
1: think that makes a difference if you wake up to an alarm clock? No, it's up naturally do you know i've, I've experimented with this and, ter- and spoken to a lot of guys because there's an app my friend uh, tyler the other side of nomad was was Is this an erection app <laughs> <laughs> it's a boulder app it's pretty niche but it's uh no it's basically an alarm that you set a time like a half hour window you want to wake up okay and it gradually wakes you up i couldn't get on with it um i used it a few times like I, i'm not sure but i think that that's a real difficult question to answer because you could be setting an alarm for six or seven, whatever time you need to get up for work and you could be going to bed at nine or 10 o'clock and that alarm actually, you know, you're ready to get up or you could be watching Netflix till midnight because it rolls on and one on mm. and actually that alarm is a horrible ringing noise in your head that sparks you out of that deep sleep yeah. and you feel terrible. So it's a, it's a difficult question to answer. If you, you should be going to bed at the right time and you shouldn't be setting an alarm, like you should be waking up within the hour of that alarm like I know if I didn't set an alarm I wouldn't sleep in past 7 my alarm's Mm. for 6 o'clock I know I wouldn't Mm. yeah you should be like it should be a natural process you should be too yeah yeah, that's how it should be so that like the morning wood should occur when you wake up like your first piss in the morning should be an absolutely gymnastic challenge try not to hit the ceiling yeah Yeah, okay. like lying horizontal
0: (laughs) So, so that's one thing. That's And, and I, obviously, libido is a massive, massive indicator of testosterone levels, mm. male kind of hormonal health in general. What else in your experience and the guys you've worked with, what are some warning signs, some kind of symptoms out there that men might be experiencing if they, they don't even know they've got
1: low testosterone levels, but they're struggling with certain things? What, what sort of things are those? Okay, well, definitely like lethargy and anxiety and all these common things that, are quite normal now, which is why it's so difficult to spot. Because if you think like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, if there's a guy that was just like always tired, not really motivated, no confidence, he would stand out. But now you almost stand out if you're the other way. So it's difficult to spot. But if a guy is, you know, never driven, like if you think like of a goal you've got, everyone's got goals. Some are just a little bit less willing to work for them. But you've got goals. And if you're not driven to do them, that's quite an indicator but then if you've got real simple stuff like making dinner, and you just, you know, almost like to the level of depression where you just don't want to get stuff done, you've got no drive, mm. you just, I call them house rabbits when I'm talking to my clients. Yeah, I talk about wild jaguars and house rabbits. Like, it was a house rabbit just sort of murking around, just like timid, like, some, it's not right. That is a chemical balance, especially if you can't identify it. If like, I mean, if you've just had a death in the family, I mm. <laughs> don't think, must be low testosterone, so I'm feeling real down. Yeah. Um, if everything else is going okay, you're just not, you haven't got that drive. You you don't know what it is. You almost can't, you can't put your finger on it. You're like, the spark is gone. But I just don't have that aggressive spark. That can easily be testosterone, mm. easily. And you can find when you start reversing the process, it comes back and you think, you know what? Probably. Although it's, it's difficult to put your finger on because things that enhance testosterone also benefit you in hundreds of other ways. So, yeah. which is good, but then it's bad. So you can't be like, right, it was testosterone because really it could have been anything. And actually the things that enhance testosterone, they just make life better. So you can't isolate it necessarily. It's difficult to, but you don't yeah. need to, because if something's not going right, if you try and if you just think, you know what, I'm gonna try and boost testosterone, no matter what the problem is, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna win. Because if you think, right, I might have low testosterone, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna start getting more sleep. Testosterone is produced in your sleep. Like if you're not getting enough sleep, which is it drives me crazy when I hear so many self-help people say, like yeah, you don't need that much sleep. Like, get up early is great advice. Go to bed late and get up early is terrible advice, right? People saying, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the worst for it. He says, yeah, I just tell people sleep a little faster. And I think it's terrible advice. It yeah. really is. Like, yeah, you've done very well. You're an like, impressive guy. And like, There's so much about him that I in- admire to an insane amount. But that, telling people to sleep less is dangerous. Sleep often Be the lion, lounge around, Mm. right? Sleep well, Uh, because then you're just going to be on the attack all day. Okay, if you get up earlier, you're going to be working at seventy percent. If you get a good eight hours sleep, you're going to be attacking the day with relentless aggression. You're going to be that wild jaguar, yeah, with focus, violent action. So you think, I'm going to get more sleep. What is the biggest killer of testosterone? Food, Mm. right? And and stuff like soy that is a xenoestrogen that can damage testosterone is big. But the the biggest one is without a doubt is processed food processed food is I mean it can stress out your um, your digestive system even spark cortisol if it's you know, like a, a, a cheese string like what is that it's not food is it your body yeah. doesn't understand yeah. Um, fake food. yeah but also there's a lot of xenoestrogens in within um, within processed foods which just mimic as I'm sure you know mimic estrogen levels and drop testosterone levels um, so if you just think right I'm going to drink loads of water get loads of sleep eat really good quality food like actual food loads of like Red meat from the butchers, cruciferous vegetables, fruit, um, tubers—like picking these great foods—you're gonna feel amazing in every way, and your testosterone is gonna go up. And even if that wasn't the thing, the thing might be external. Actually, you might think, you know what? I think I am unhappy in my relationship. I think that's what it is. Actually, you know what? I think I do hate my job. I think that. I think that is it. You'll know that because everything else is covered. And then you've got the mindset and the 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 focus and that aggressive, relentless killer instinct switched on because you've looked after yourself. You can actually fix it. You can think, right? You know what? I'm not happy in my job. I'm going to go and hand my notice in, and I'm going to aggressively hunt for a new one because you've you've got the foundations to do it, and those foundations are, amongst other things, testosterone. Okay.
0: So if someone if someone out there suspects
1: that they you know they've got some of these symptoms, you know, like the, the, the libido's
0: down, you know, they've got a low score on that scale of one to ten that you use, <laughs> they're not regularly getting kind of morning wood, they are. They don't have that like aggressive drive to go out and achieve goals. They don't have to get up and go. They're the house rabbit. I like that. I really like the, what, is it? The wild jaguar. The wild jaguar and the, the, the house, rabbit, house rabbit. Yeah.
1: Okay. You know.
0: No, I won't say what I was going to say. I was going to talk about veganism, but I'm not going
1: to say anything about that. No, I see um, what you're saying. Like, okay, <laughs> I like it. So,
0: <laughs> anyway, so someone suspects they've got low testosterone. They haven't even thought about it. They've listened to this. They've heard you speaking. They're like, shit. Actually, perhaps this is part of not 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 the sole thing that's yeah causing problems, but it's something. What advice would you give to them? Like would you get people to go and test themselves? Or would you just get them to focus naturally on increasing, you know, testosterone levels or adopting
1: behaviours and habits that It depends how aggressive it is. If you're like if you're in a position if you're in a position right now when you are waking up every morning feeling terrible, like you cannot get a hard on with your missus or even like if you're if you're single with anyone, like you 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 just have no sex drive and no sexual function, mm. then Get tested. Don't bother with the small stuff. Go and get tested now because that is, you know, that's that's the bottom. That's not a good place to be at all. Whereas if you're just um, if you think like I'm not that interested in sex, but I'm having sex like once every week or two, um, and I'm performing well, like and I've got morning wood maybe like two two days of the week um, or once or twice in the week, but majority of the time I don't. Then you know, then I'd just be like, you know what? There's a there's a few small things that need tweaking. I'm I'm not getting enough sleep. I need to eat better. Um, And you know when it comes to sex drive, you do need to be really aware, it might not be testosterone initially, it might just be the porn you're watching. So the first thing everyone should do is just cut out watching porn, first of all, and just have it, in in your head, think of it as a win or a loss. Watching porn is a loss, my day needs to be wins. Um, I think that's really good advice. Like testosterone
0: aside, I just think that's really good, healthy, you know, going back to that concept of a good man, I think it's just
1: generally good advice. What I see it as, and this is gonna sound a little bit, uh strange and i was thinking about it the other day when i was do you watch the show this country i don't think so no it's but it, funniest thing when whenever we have two of our friends and from Lauren around we always watch it because it's, a, it's just a short sitcom about people that live around there in the southwest um, it's, it's so funny and this uh kerry the the chicken it says she's like making fun and she says she spent 200 pound on um fake tokens for one of those apps where you like build a circus you, know, you, build a, like you build something at a circus or a playground and you then buy the equipment and make it big. And I just think, like, porn to sex is business to that. Like that is just you pretending to be successful on an app, yeah. right, pretending like, oh, yeah. look, look how high my bank balance is in this game yeah. versus going out, starting a business and, and helping the world compared to having sex with your phone compared to, like, a bird. Right, okay. it's, it's that's yeah. th- that's how I see it, right? It's so yeah. it's doing it artificially because you cannot do it real. Yeah. Uh you can't like do the actual thing. Yeah. Um that, that's yeah, that's how I see it. And it, and it really helps it because then you do see it as a pathetic loss versus an impressive win. A waste
0: of energy and it's something that's not going to move the needle forwards in in a meaningful area in your life kind of basically. Bingo, exactly that, yeah. So, who inspires you? And it, like this is a, it, it doesn't have to be like Jocko Willink or like uh, you know like Elon Musk. Yeah, you know, I love Elon Musk. love those guys. <laughs> but but also like my father-in-law, he really inspires me just because of what he's achieved and the sort of the sort of person he is and the sort of family man he is. So it could be anyone. It could be your like you know like your nan. It could be someone you've met, someone from the army, or it could be like a celebrity.
1: But who couple of people who really inspire you and you always like listen to and yeah I mean there's there's quite a few people to be honest and like you said like there's obviously the Jocko Winston Elon Musk definitely those guys are amazing to listen to but you need to have mentors you know (laughs) you need to have people you you actually know um and for me like my dad it sounds like cliche to say my dad is an incredible bloke my Uh, Amber gets bored of me saying when we're going to go and see him when we're going to go visit him I'm like oh I can't wait to see him don't you think he's just the greatest guy Um, (laughs) he really is like he really is an amazing a a really highly impressive guy Mm. who like he's insanely humble the friendliest guy you've ever met he's ill now but he used to be like very impressive physically played really high level rugby he's got all the clip clip-ins from the newspaper, mm. Paul Collins does it again for the Newgate Hornets, you know. Was he front row, like back row? Was he, uh, in- uh, he was back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was a back, He's uh I think he was, a, yeah, he was a back, but he's, uh, yeah, he just loved it, and he. Mm. You know, he's, he's just a really, he's a really good guy, financially, really, really clever. He never went to university or um, had any sort of like formal education like that, but then somehow went to, um, when I was still quite young, um Got, started working in financial management um which is strange he had no degree or anything but he kind of got in foot in the door and, and even now like just a smart really smart financially guy but the biggest thing is is like helping people is is like is, is his thing like he will do anything for anyone the, the times he gets the angriest at me like the angriest in fact not long ago um, i opened up a uh, portfolio of uh, Hans Green Lansdowne investments and okay. uh, and, he, and I told him and he he just he hit the roof because I hadn't asked him like I hadn't asked his advice and like let him walk me through uh, like how I was going to put these investments in um, and it like although I'm like oh I'm sorry yeah like I have just thought I, I knew <laughs> thought I knew it all yeah <laughs> um, but he, he was just like he was really disappointed because he just wants to help like, that's his thing yeah. Um, yeah and I've been in some horrible situations uh, in my life that like it's all of them my fault. Um and he's just been like the most supportive guy. I mean, I've um I've rang him to come and pick me up from a cell before and he's just said, Are you okay? Ask me why. Um yeah. so he's not judging you, he's just basically there. Just, Are you okay? That is all yeah. that's always it. Like he's even he's been uh like, after Afghan, like I didn't feel great. He was just there like all the time, non-stop mm-hmm. Um I was I've been in an ambulance from me doing something ridiculous and not good like years and years and years ago and he's just there no preaching just like are you okay making sure i'm all right Mm. every every time i've done something terrible because i wasn't like always into this self-growth and winning i I was an asshole like i told you i was like a just a kid anxious no direction i did a lot of stupid things he was just like super 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 supportive um just a really impressive guy so yeah he's a massive if i could be half the man he is i'd be i'd be super happy you know he's a good guy because he never struggles with women he does amazing like women just love him he Mm. seems like when he finishes with someone there's someone else awesome that wants him Mm. (laughs) sounds crazy but that (laughs) is like i'm like yeah he's a lining up yeah yeah so he's just yeah he's a really good guy amazing bloke Uh, Mm. and also his friends when you look at who his close friends are from childhood they're really impressive guys Mm. so like they're really successful and great guys and you just think that's kind of quite a good mark if someone's a good guy is obviously you want to surround yourself with good people but you know, if you're drawn to each other, like him and his two best friends, all of them really, like the same, Was great guys, humble, mm. insanely helpful. So, yeah. Sounds like yeah, a man with like really good values.
0: Um, and I love insane. the fact that it's someone, you know, a real person, I, not that Elon Musk or Bill Gates yes, or whoever yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're inaccessible and you know, everyone finds him
1: inspiring. He still says it now all the time to me and he said it since I was since I was born, like since I can could hear him, he's always his little catchphrase was standards, mate, standards. And he says it all the time to me. Like went up for New Year's and uh, you know, I might leave a cup on the side and he'll go, hey, standards, mate, standards. That's just what he always says, because that's his whole thing, is like he's got his standards. Right. So that's that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. So he knows his own mind. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Paul Collins.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to Paul Collins. So for someone listening to this who's like a naturally skinny guy, and there are like a lot of guys out there that are like the hard gainers mm-hmm. or whatever people call them who, you know, really desperately want to put on some muscle because of what you've you've mentioned though. it really affects their confidence, how they show up with women, how you know, how they feel about going on dates, everything. Like literally everything for some guys. And I totally understand this, I've met people like that. You know, first of all, what are some of the biggest mistakes that these these hard gainers, these skinny guys are making? You know, like, obviously, they're following magazine workouts and the ones Mm -hmm. that say, just do push-ups and pull-ups every day, you know, shit like that. What, what, In your experience, what are some of the biggest mistakes they're making that are stopping
1: their progress? The biggest, the one single biggest one, because there's a few, but the biggest one is, and this is the the good guys, the guys that are mentally strong, not lazy, they want to do stuff, and they are training insanely hard I mean they are doing everything they can they say what are you doing now they say I'm doing everything they say I'm tra- I'm following this training program then I'm doing strength training some of them are trying it, training twice a day they're just they're trying everything doing and, and CrossFit in the morning yeah like bodybuilding. burning exactly that <laughs> everything and I say to them like all exercise burns calories all exercise lifting weights burns calories a hell of a lot of calories like all exercise burns calories so if you're trying to Throw everything against the wall to see what sticks. Actually, most of the stuff you're doing is unsticking that stuff that sticks, right? You're you're burning unnecessary calories. I say you just you need to rest a lot. I mean, I don't love saying that to people unless I've spoken to them for a while, because a lot of people hear that and think, right, yeah, I need to rest more. Most people aren't training hard enough to even warrant any rest, to, to be honest with you. Like most people, their intensity, they train out, they could do seven days a week. Um, but to do like training that doesn't benefit muscle growth specifically. is is a real waste of time
0: okay Okay, a real waste of time so they're basically just wasting energy by just being way too active and it's not strategic overload not strategic stimulus like the right stimulus then rest and
1: recover and get stronger yeah if they're doing like training that is actually really beneficial to them um like growing new muscle and they're eating enough to to cause that muscle protein synthesis inside then they're going for a run they're kind of using those calories that would have gone to that, and they're burning so away. So they are just undermining their progress. Yeah, they think that they're doing the right thing. But like, okay, if I'm training, I just train more.
2: Yeah, train it's almost more. like
1: train. I said before about the best things in my life have come from taking stuff away rather than adding things. That's what they need to do with their training, rather than thinking what else can I do. Really, they need to take some stuff away. Okay. That's, that's a big one get back in love with fall back in love with those basics big time yeah yeah okay. yeah. be more aggressive and focused on the like laser focus and execute aggressively those things uh, and, and cut everything else out and suddenly they're swelling up like the
0: 80-20 the kind of minimum effective yeah. dose type thing it's like so so. let's talk about that. like the minimum effective dose like you know what are the things like lift weights yeah you but, have to but what
1: sort of weight lifting uh, do you know there's a lot of there's a lot of debate about this but Like if you look at studies across the board, there's a few undeniable things. Like there's a few things that just flat out 100%, mentioned earlier, progressive overload, right? You have to get heavier um, every single week or like at least like volume has to increase. So I call it pepper potting where I'll say, say like eight to 10 reps, like you want to kind of, when I say progressive overload, these aren't the correct reps. I'm just saying as an example, you know, eight to 10 reps, I'd say, um, if you're hitting eight reps, then the next week you can do nine, the next week you can do 10, then go heavier and back to eight. right? And then go nine, ten. so the weight's always going up, the volume's always going up, but you're not just like leaping up. You're constantly like climbing the ladder, like dangling yeah. the carrot in the front of your body. Yeah, so, exactly, constantly the volume's going up. Um, range of movement, a lot of, like this is another undisputed thing, like if you look at studies across the board, like ROM is, the, the more there is, the more hypertrophy you are gonna cause. But that is just, so good range of movements. Um, compound lifts, are important like definitely but they get they get got to word this right because they are super important they are the most important lift but people seem to think that that's all that matters but that's it you will get big if you just do compound lifts but compound lifts also burn a hell of a lot of calories so you can't just do endless compound lifts you want to do the right amount that's going to stimulate growth but if you go past that you're really gonna you're gonna get stronger you're gonna get fitter but you're eating into your calories too much so compound lifts are usually um Every session's going to have them. They are the bread and butter. But don't just think, right, endless compound lifts over and over and over again. Like, other stuff is important when it just comes to gaining mass. Like, and a good example is, like, biceps, I think, isn't it? Like, mm. um, so you can do, you,
0: you can, you know, I do a lot of chin-ups. Mm. And I do I, I do lots of gymnastic ring work. I love gymnastic rings. Like, oh, nice, yeah. I started doing gymnastic strength training about three years ago. And I've, I've done kettlebells and, like, loads of weightlifting in the past. And I thought I was very... Yeah, I've got yeah. A mace now. I, I love see, the mace. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit humbling the mace. Kind of. It's not. It's like it's like four <laughs> I don't kilograms. Know, like, what to do with it? <laughs> yeah, I like the flow aspect. Like, but it basically it, it exposes any weak links and it exposes any blockages in the thoracic spine oh, and good. stuff like that, which is brilliant, It's awesome mm-hmm. supplement to training. And the problem is, is that people get dogmatic. They, people, like I did, I've done strong first kettlebell kind of stuff and got into that world for a while, and like so many guys in there just. like, Kettlebells, nothing else. Kettlebells is everything, yeah. and you just like you're really missing lots of stuff. Like, for example, pull patterns. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, well, we do swings. Yeah, but it's different to doing <laughs> some inverted rows and stuff. I like miss what
1: a kettlebell is. It's just the weight. Like they it's, get excited. Exactly. <laughs> and, and if
0: you get attached to one tool, you miss so much stuff, and so and it's the same with the gymnastic strength guys. Oh, it's handstands, gymnastic rings. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I've I've been blending to stuff together and experimenting. But anyway, like chin ups, you can do lots of chin ups. You could be strong. You can do advanced chin up variations. Yeah. But you don't necessarily have massive biceps, mm. you know. Obviously, a lot of gymnasts do, but they do some supplemental stuff and they do things like you know some really advanced positions like pelicans, which yeah, have some, oh, yeah, fuck your <laughs> biceps <laughs> up. But so for the average person who's not a gymnast, you can do loads and loads of chin-ups. You can be really, really good at it, but you probably need to do some isolation training for your
1: biceps to get big guns. Mm. Yeah, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. You like people? People are right in saying like, oh, well, compound lifts work everything. They do. Uh, other like there's nothing wrong with isolating at all like just aggressive overload on a specific muscle is always going to be beneficial always like people also say about like talking of like chin-ups and stuff is i don't feel like it's enough pressure so i don't i don't ever really um suggest people do any body weight stuff like weighted pull-ups we do a lot of and if you struggle with pull-ups then you'll quickly progress onto weighted ones we've got some techniques we use to get you better at them but that is you know weighted pull-ups is you lifting a weight heavier than your body that's what we want okay because you need to put a lot of stress on because although people have got like rep ranges that are like, these are hypertrophy rep ranges really rep ranges is your body hasn't got some internal rep count like it's, it doesn't know how many you're doing really it's just how long you are at your at your max capacity for so you can you can people say you can't get big with light weights in theory you can i'm not saying if they're stupidly light if you're doing like 15 to 20 reps you can, it's just going to take you a lot longer to get through the session because you've got to do more reps at capacity, which takes you a long time to get through. And then, you know, if you go really, really heavy, like a weight you can do one or two reps with, like sure, you you could get big, it'd be super, super painful, but you wouldn't have enough, you know, there's not enough volume there because you're at your max capacity for a real short space of time because from the first lift, you're already there. You, the time of detention doesn't exist. So you're going to get like progressively stronger not as much as you could if you heighten the reps a little bit, progressively stronger, but as far as getting big is concerned, really forcing, forcing growth, like forcing your muscles to grow so they have no option to, you need to be doing like, I say six, six to 15 reps is a good, barrier because that is a good time of detention. it allows you to get a good heavy weight mm. uh, it lets you put, really put stress on the muscles like a lot of stress mm. so that's what i'd say and as far as like which exercise like compound or isolation like a mixture people like to pick a side like you say with kettlebells mm. like kettlebells are the best well they're just i mean what's the difference between a 10 kg kettlebell, handle, kettlebell? Handle, yeah that is all yeah. it is it's just uh the people love like picking a side like being a thing like crossfit is like it's People like love CrossFit or they, or they hate it. It's just a training system. It's just like it's just compound lifts that are maybe a different in a different way than those compound lifts. Like it's not. Yeah. It, people just love like having a thing they're into. Yeah. But really, it's you know it's, it's a combination of all. Like people with diet, like right, you have to do keto, you have to do high carb, you have to do this and that. Like it doesn't have to be. Like, stop trying to just get aside and have this one, like, almost like a cult-like thing. Like, veganism. Like, veganism is the best thing for everything you can possibly think of. The answer to everything. Yeah, like, hey, if you want to save the planet and get healthy and be more ethical... Like, wow, are you sure? That seems like a lot of things. <laughs> I don't believe you. Um, you know, people just want a thing. Whereas if, you know, if you combine it all up like with diet, like, oh yeah, so fats are good. Oh, but so is meat. So animal products, our oh, veggies are good. Like all that stuff's good. We're training. Well, all that stuff is useful. Yeah. Like let's understand that all of it has its place. Yeah. But like, that's really, really important. Two things I think really interesting
0: is like variety. I think variety is really interesting whether it's calories. Like I think that we, uh, we're not designed to be same calories day in, day out. I think we have like, It accumulates over, like, a say, seven day period Mm. or longer periods of time. Hypertrophy is a classic one, isn't it? Like, Mm. you don't go and have a heavy couple of workouts for two weeks and then grow. Yeah. Sometimes it can take eight to 12 weeks for a hypertrophy cycle to happen. Like, you could be smashing yourself in the gym, doing everything Johnny tells you on his programs, (laughs) ticking all the boxes. And sometimes there'll be a slight delay on the results. And it's not because you're doing anything wrong, it's just because that's how the physiology of the body works sometimes. Yeah, it'll be the speed
1: of the. Of the stimulation like most studies show that with a, a real good solid program like and this is something I talk about a lot is you thinking that if something takes eight weeks to happen the daily efforts don't matter like if you said hey I want to be a millionaire in five years today seems less important but actually today's more important, the most important yeah day. <laughs> literally like every, every day's action so I yeah. tend to say to people yeah eight weeks twelve weeks you know whatever for seeing and feeling changes but like probably cross-sectional muscle is, is increased by 0.1 to 0.2% a day. Okay. So that's interesting. And that compounds, right? Because as yeah. you know, like more muscle and strength you've got yeah. allows you to put more volume yeah. into your training. So yeah. you're going to grow. So actually skipping a day is kind of like not putting money in a really high, like high interest savings it's account compound. It's yeah. not going to lift. So you need you need to like work on it every day. Every single day is important. Yeah. No, I totally get that. I think that that's a
0: really interesting point. I think a lot of people um overlook. I think the thing is as well because you look at yourself in the mirror every day. You might not notice those 0.1, 0.2 yeah. changes. You're like, oh. but you, it, it's changing,
1: but it just takes a while to appreciate it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, um, someone said to me um the other day. They said, because I said that to them, and they said, yeah, you never see your mum getting older. And I thought, yeah, yeah that's, that's really interesting. That's yeah, exactly yeah, it. it when you're a kid, she's never gets older in, in ten years. that's strange. Yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. The other
0: thing, going back to compound lifts as well, is that lifts is that I think often often your weaker links the weakest links will hold you back in compound lifts mm. and sometimes if you like say you let's say you can't control the muscles in your shoulder blades you know like mid traps and things like that and get into a good position to do the chin up again for an example sometimes those will fatigue before, say, your biceps get enough stimulation or mm. something like that. So so I, I think it's absolutely right to not rely on just compound lifts, which everyone talks about, oh, you gonna be squatting and doing yeah. and, you and know, bench
1: pressing and that's it, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think you need to, like, variety, mix. It's mix like, I used the example before of saying to someone, saying, like, just do compound lifts is like someone saying, "Will you teach me how to drive, and you saying, like, yeah, put fuel in the car. Like, it is super important, but that doesn't teach you how to drive. Like you still need to actually there's a lot of other stuff to do, right? So that I see that as the same thing. Compound lifts are vital. But if you look at a lot of like a lot of really insanely strong Olympic professional Olympic lifters, they're not big. Like a lot of them are big, sure, but a lot of them are small. It's it's not it's not a common thing that Olympic lifters are big. That is by no means a fact. So if compound lifts is all it took to really stimulate growth they would be monsters because that's all they do. There's a brilliant, brilliant quote, and I can't remember who it's
0: by, but like some proper like strength training coach, you know, Olympic coach, I can't remember who it is, but basically like somewhere in China, like a 10-year-old girl's warming up with your one rep,
1: max. <laughs> it's fucking awesome because it's absolutely yeah, true. it really is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see the videos of them on, on lines, you're like, wow, they are strong. Oh, that's terrifying. I need to train more. <laughs> What's your definition of success? Oh, that's a tough question. My definition of success, I I say this to everyone. I really don't think you can ever settle on a win. I push everyone to celebrate their wins and immediately move on. So I don't think you can ever say I'm, I am successful now, unless like unless you define it as a moving thing. So if you think right, every single day I am doing what I enjoy doing and it's pushing the needle of my life forward, you are successful. Right? If every day my relationship with Amber is getting stronger. Um, like, when the business is turned over more money, um, more people are emailing me saying they're absolutely killing it and they packed on more weight and size. Like, that's success. I'm constantly moving forward. Like, that is probably the simplest way of putting it. So In my eyes, success is constant growth. If I hit a, if I make an, a, an amazing, um, you know, course and I make a, a huge amount of money in a week and I'm celebrating, but then it stays there, I'm going to feel successful that week, but it's quickly going to, go like success has to be constant progress and that's what it is if you're better today than you were yesterday you're successful if you're better the next day you're still successful that is the flow of success and then if you drop back it's time to get successful again and think about where it went wrong and start moving forward again so like stagnation is the is the enemy
0: of success i think growth is an interesting word you mentioned and and growth and like expansion and the reason I, i deliberately ask people this question because i think so many people out there And I think social media is a little bit responsible for this because we see people on Instagram, you know, driving up in Lamborghinis, you know, perfect body, perfect abs, you know, telling us they're making millions, uh, whatever it may be. Their life seems to be perfect from the outside. And I think it's very easy for most people who don't have goals, who feel a bit lost, who perhaps are not happy in life, a bit directionless, to like look at other people's definition of success and think oh, okay yeah, so if I get a Mercedes or if I get a Lamborghini if I get a Ferrari if I have this kind of house if I have you know a wife or a husband who looks like this if I, if I have this kind of job and I think it's very empty and yeah. so I'm really fascinated by people's like personal personal definition of success like what's the what's
1: the important thing for you the good thing with um what you just said a really good thing to do that I did I've done it before twice in, in two ways uh, people say about like oh look at that look at them on instagram they're killing it i went to school with them and now I look at them and i'll say and i won't say any names now because that'll be highly embarrassing for them but just I, tell me in a minute I, I'll say, <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, you say you know hey you know so and so like you, they know them i say what's their life like and they'll be like oh yeah well I mean, they never do anything because they're always skint and this and that and that and i'll say right now let's look on their instagram and i'll show them and we'll be like look now what do you think what do you think their life's like and on the Instagram it will always be like their holidays um, them with their partners like hugging each other yeah, on um, a yacht with like, a glass of champagne yeah yeah <laughs> like, you know, like you know what their life is like look at their online life like these other people you don't know it's no different okay and it's it's, it's like a cheesy thing that people say now but no one posts their failures and, it, and it's true yeah right? no one posts the bad days they're having it's not a, it, it's the furthest thing from real life you could possibly imagine like looking at someone's pr- profile
0: yeah i believe social media is really damaging and uh, I'm, I'm really tempted to delete all of my accounts just probably is, kind of need it for business at the moment yeah. so i'm a little bit sort of stuck uh i'm debating with myself but i think it's really damaging i really do i, I don't think there's anything positive instagram in particular is a, is a popularity contest and oh, you mentioned fantastic. it earlier you know people out there with twenty thousand, fifty thousand, two hundred thousand, 50,000, a million followers who mm. they're actually probably not successful their life mm. looks successful yeah. Because it's a fake reality.
1: There was a, it was long ago. A, a, a woman uh, from I can't remember where she was from. Maybe America. It doesn't matter. She had like, like three million followers. She was an influencer and she launched a, a fashion brand and stuff. Um, and and she made no money. It just completely yeah. crippled. Like nothing came yeah. out of it. And yeah. it is. It's what you said. It. It's it's just popularity. She felt successful because she had three million. Yeah. Um, but that's how it, I saw a. This this is a. I've got it on my phone, the exact article, but it's crazy. And it was about the software designers, the key head software designers of these things like Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all these things. None of them allow their children on the platform that they designed
0: yeah lots of, lots of the guys and people who own tech businesses in Silicon Valley send their kids to Waldorf a Waldorf school which is a particular kind of school where they don't have much technology oh. they don't have iPads they don't have things like that because uh, they designed these things to be <laughs> and there's a really interesting book out I haven't ordered yet but it's by a guy called Jerome Lanier who's basically one of the founders of virtual reality and then he was one of the pioneers of like The Internet 2.0, like, helping design the structure of the Internet now. And he's written this book about, like, why you just delete your social media accounts now because, one, like, Google and Facebook are just manipulating the shit out of you by selling your data and, like, you know, exploiting you with algorithms. But also, like, the very sinister, worrying stuff about politics. Like, you know, politics is almost kind of getting a bit broken now because of the echo chamber effect. Like, the fact that if you happen to mention you, like, let's say Donald Trump, because he's an example everyone knows, Yeah. then Facebook algorithm is going to serve you lots of stuff about Donald Trump and not about other things. And, you know, I'm not an expert yeah. on this, but there's a dangerous goldfish bowl effect where you're only exposed to stuff you're yeah, interested that in. Makes perfect sense. And people who agree with you, and people don't debate anymore. People don't
1: disagree and talk about stuff without... Just aggressive. It just turns violent because people are so... And I saw, I, you might have read this study, the study that said that if you give people evidence um, that directly and like irrefutably goes against what they're saying, they can actually become more stuck on their point of view, like yeah. more stuck on it. Right. And I feel like that is the case now. Like you cannot have, you cannot have a discussion. Me and my friends, like we, we all the time, we'll disagree about certain things. And it, and I've changed my mind about things because we just like chat openly. Which but, is how life works. But don't you dare try and talk to someone online about it because it will never, yeah. ever, ever um it'll never materialize into anyone benefiting from anything and i think two particularly
0: dangerous conversations at the moment are vegan versus meat eater and gender yeah and they're very difficult difficult conversations to have because they're really complex arguments there's not a right or wrong there's not a black or white there's not a yes or no it's not it's not binary there's so many of the economy there's capitalism there's like yeah. Human fish, there's so much shit wrapped up in it.
2: Yeah.
1: It's super complex that no one really knows what the fuck's going on. Oh, that's crazy. And, and people have to, if people disagree with something now, they have to go the like complete other side. Like you said, we're vegan and carnivore, but that shouldn't be an argument. Like that is just two, that is just two very extreme diets. Yeah. Like, what, like that's, it's, it's really crazy. And you see a lot of people, who have, who have like they used to be vegan now they're carnivore or they were carnivore and now they're vegan or you see more vegans that go carnivore I think as vegans so so <laughs> damaging <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I, you know I think it suits some people yeah people have different physiology I think it's people that want because there's a lot of people that go from vegan to carnivore those people you just think well, yeah. you, just, you just have an extreme mindset like yeah. you just why can't you just be in the middle yeah. like doing actually what is healthiest and that is having the best parts of both bit like addiction isn't it it's like yes it's really it's crazy so Johnny like
0: a a really important
1: question for you is
0: for like there's probably someone out there listening who feels a bit like I did maybe sort of in 2013 when I described being up in the attic or like you know let's say let's say a man who's like in their sort of mid to late 30s who Is listening. They feel a bit stuck, a bit a bit lost, or like something's missing in life, but they can't quite put their finger on it. Maybe a bit depressed, and they feel like they're failing. They're like, like their life is not working really, you know, on multiple levels. Can you outline like a process or like a a set of steps, maybe three to five steps, that you would take if that was your client, or if someone came to you with with that kind of you know who really felt like they were just failing and life's not working, they're stuck and bit
1: dead end. Yeah, I, I mean the first point, and this is. I want to give like actionable steps rather than just saying like vague thoughts, okay? But so I'm, I'm going to say to write this down because this is like the most important thing. I've spoken about the control and I've done this before myself. Write down areas where like, you just don't feel in control because people just try and like say, all right, life's not good. How do I fix life? But there's little areas, right? There's, there is real small areas. What you need to do is dominate every area. That's going to guarantee that it's all good. So the first step, I'd say, write down things you're out of control with because for most people, it's probably going to be Physical, okay, you're feeling lethargic and you might carry too much fat or you're not building enough muscle. You're not happy in your physique. You're out of control with that. Write it down. Financially, write that down. But if you're just struggling, write it down. Uh, Relationship-wise, if if that is a problem, write it down. Uh, If it's not, then don't write it down. Just write down things you don't feel like you're in control of. Then underneath, you're going to write things that you are in control of, okay? And if it's nothing, who cares? It doesn't matter. You're not trying to win right now. Just trying to get this on paper, okay? Because this... This is gonna take aggressive action to do. As soon as you've done that, just go through those things that you don't have control over and hit them so wildly that they cannot fail. Like the wild dragon versus the house rabbit, right? So my advice is always to like, just people say like, I'll just do one thing at a time. I don't, I think dominate everything because if you do one thing at a time, the, the bad habits will suck stuff out of the good ones and drag you backwards. If you dominate everything, it's not overwhelming because it's good, it's healthy for you. So if you just think, right, um, let's use those examples, like physical state, uh, financial state, and relationships, they're all not good. I would immediately, because I've got them down on paper, don't just think them, you have to write them down, you have to make them a record. And he actually means this, like, you know, now it's worth pausing, almost, and doing this live, because,
0: The percentage, the few people who actually do what Johnny's saying and stop and write this stuff down and put 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes into doing it will probably succeed more than the people who just
1: like, you know, skip to the next episode or go, I'll do it later. Yeah. Yeah. Do it later is is just like the catchphrase. It's what you say. I'll do that later. The amount of guys I speak to that say, oh, yeah, I saw you ages ago and I was going to reach out. but I didn't. It's like eight months later. Yeah. Do it now. Pause this. Write down the things you are out of control with. Um, so we use those three examples, right? We're gonna dominate all of them, and it has to be today, it has to be today. Not tomorrow, that is the, it doesn't matter if it's nine o'clock at night, I'll tell you exactly what you're gonna do. So physical state, you're gonna join a gym, like so easy, but it's just one of those things that people are just like, no, I'll do it. Like you kind of always wait for like a gym to come knocking on your door, and being like, hey, wanna join? Um, which they don't do, unless you maybe live next door. They won't do it, okay? You need to join a gym, um, and change your, Change your routine with food because most people have a reactive routine with food, and you need to. There's no way of changing this unless it is aggressive. You can't just think that your diet's going to change itself. I'm going to start eating a bit healthier. You have to aggressively do this. And that means like buying some healthy, going to the shop and buying like a few packs of good quality meat, right? Some like sweet potatoes, some veg, some fruit, just so that the kitchen has healthy food in it. Like that is your environment. Right, you're shaping your environment because that is going to shape you. So, join the gym, got some healthy food. You just dominated that one thing like super, super, super quickly. Financial state. This is the same night. I'd even pause this now and do it if if you've wrote down your finances. I'd write down my outgoings for the month, how much I bring in a month, and then I'd look through my bank and I'd look at just bullshit leaks that I'm plugging away that are just ruining my financial state. Right? Because you can cut those out. Like, quite a simple fact to think about is if if I spend less than I make every month, I will become richer every month. What? Right? <laughs> yeah. People forget this. Baffling, yeah. absolutely baffling how that simple maths works out. So just do that, plug the leaks, work out how much you make exactly, work out every outgo and I mean, even get that £7.99 Amazon Prime on the list. Get it all on the list and then look through it and just see what, because you'll see a lot of stuff on there that might hold you back. You might think, right, I've got a lot of subscriptions to stuff that actually means I end up sitting on my ass and doing nothing, a lot more. Um, I'm gonna cut that out right now. And you can cut it out, okay, and trim the fat and then work out how much you can afford to spend so that you can save every month and do it. And do it and get aggressive with it. Everyone opens up savings account, opens up a, open a, an ISA stocks and shares account, right? Just do think, you know what? I'm gonna be that guy that actually invests my money. Financial state done, relationships. That's the next one, and this is all tonight. Okay, this is not you going to bed before you've done this because aggressive action is so much better than just like tomorrow I'm gonna I'm gonna do the gym thing and the next time I'm gonna do this. You are you're gonna go to bed tonight being like I've never done so much to benefit for myself than I did just like an hour ago. Right, so relationship wise, you're gonna be like right, and this you know. If this, if your relationship isn't bad, you might just want to do this anyway, right? Because why not? Um, so if you're, if you're single and you just and you're not meeting anyone, you can just make a plan of how you can meet someone, right? But more than likely, if you're in a relationship and it's not going great, which is why you probably wrote it down, um, set up a date night. Do those things that just like no one does, but it's just aggressive action. Be like, like say to your missus, say, hey, you know what? Um, by the way, every Thursday now I'm gonna take you out for dinner, or every Thursday I'm gonna do something for you. Um, when you get back from work or when I get back from work, right? Just have, a, have a thing that you do and then say to them or if it's real bad, you know, I'm not a counsellor for relationships but it's, it's pretty like simple stuff you can do like, you know what? It's not going great uh, and you're going to say this to them tonight. Remember, that has to be tonight. You're going to say, hey, I just want to sit down next week at some point and have a chat because I feel like we're not communicating great and some it's not right and I don't want to have any arguments but let's just get it all on the table because uh, cause I love you and I want it to be uh, a good thing and at the moment I'm not that happy tonight like you will sleep like a baby okay but if it's not any of those three things it could be something different it could be anything it could be that your kids misbehaving at school you don't know why so today what you're going to do you're going to find advice of someone that's been through a similar thing it could be that you know most likely if you're listening here it's going to be business or physical right yeah so it could be anything parenting business physical yeah, yeah just aggressive action there is that that's what has to happen tonight the aggressive action and then the final thing before you go to bed is you're gonna set a morning routine to do tomorrow that is no more than three things, like limited, that you know if you do, you'll win the day, okay? Three things that you're gonna to do tomorrow morning. So all you've done is you wrote down things in your life that you're out of control with, then you have actioned them aggressively as, as soon as you found them, because that's a good habit to get into, okay? And then you, you're gonna to go to bed, you're gonna sleep like an absolute baby, um, and then wake up in the morning, go to that morning routine, and stack up wins for the day. And that's it, like relentlessly. But the key point is that aggressive action. Okay, I've spoke to a guy before. Um, he was an old client when we first spoke. He was really struggling um, work-wise, money-wise. And it was kind of, I blame his parents. They were. He, he was saying to me like, oh, my parents uh, can't afford to pay the rent. So I'm doing a bit of painting with my dad. It's um, They've kind of set him up to have habits, to fail your habits, right? Um, and I said to him, like what are you going to do to find a job and he was like oh I don't know Like he really was like I was going to find him uh, and I said to him do something about it and the next time we spoke he said he'd asked he'd been on indeed.com one of those sites yeah. and he'd written um, three applied for three jobs and he was so proud of himself uh, and I was just like is that is that fucking it is that it you applied for three jobs if I asked anyone in the world to get a job that's what they'd do so there's no aggressive action now I said I'm going to ring you tomorrow. And I never usually do this. I said, I'm going to ring you tomorrow. By the time we speak, I want you to have gone on LinkedIn, created a profile, Googled how to set up your LinkedIn profile, connected with at least 20 people and set up two brewing chats with them to try and get your foot in the door somewhere. Mm. That is aggressive action. Like, look at the difference in those two things. So when you found out what you're out of control with, aggressive action. And a lot of guys will be thinking like, oh, that's just not, it's not something that I do. It's not really my thing. I might just do this. I'll tell you what, I've got a busy week. Next week I'll do it. That will never happen. Aggressive action now, today, and then tomorrow, morning routine, and you'll be surprised how addictive almost that feeling is of aggressive action and winning and, and calming
0: as well. The most successful people I know, whether it is with their body or with business, money, or you know, whatever the goals they set themselves, you know, martial arts, something like that. They're, they're action takers. And it's so, you know, everyone talks, I oh, take action, blah, 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 blah. But it is incredibly important to not let the dust settle under your feet. And, you know, actually, and also, like, if you're in that position of that person I outlined or where I was a few years ago, maybe I wasn't quite in that situation. You know, some things were good. You know, my body was fine. My health and fitness was awesome, but, you know, other bits were broken.
1: Why not try it? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Mm. <laughs> Shit might improve. On exactly. Some yeah. You're at, like, the most successful people are always the, Immediate aggressive implementers. Yeah. And I was speaking, I said about my dad and his friends are uh, really nice guys. And one of them I was speaking to the other day, um, and this is the worst advice ever. Like, do not, this isn't something you should do, but it just, it, it realized in my head why this guy was so successful. He said, when he was really, really young, he wanted to, he didn't know about any health and fitness. He wanted to lose weight. Mm. And he said, the day that he decided he wanted to lose weight, he went on 800 calories a day <laughs> yeah. um, and dropped it for yeah. three months. And, and and he said like yeah I to, I, I was really sick I was yeah. unhealthy mentally and physically. Yeah. Don't it's do that. Yeah, do not do that. It was terrible. But I just it gave me a glimpse into his mindset of like he's and he's a really really successful guy like super mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. Um and and I was like that's that's a guy he does stuff aggressively and when I look at some of my own actions it's similar things like I am an aggressive implementer and it has definitely held me back sometimes but really pushed me forward a business with my physical state, all that stuff. Like, it, mm. If you action immediately, I mean, um, in, in our bedroom, we've got a massive uh, wardrobe that fits into the cove uh, with the mirrors in front, and, and Amber ordered it. Um, and I put it all together, built it, uh, took ages. It's, it's a really big thing, it's, like, it's measured to fit in the whole side of the wall. Mm. Um, and I went to push it in, and it didn't fit. Oh, no. And I was real, and I just spent ages, and I didn't really think, I picked up a hammer, and I started smashing the wall down. Um, I'll show you. I started smashing the wall down on the side. Um, and Amber came home and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, breaking this wall down, going to put the cupboard in, and I'm going to re-plaster all this. And she's like, if we both push from each side, this will probably fit. And we did. And it did fit. Uh, and she was laughing. We laughed about it. Was, she was like, you're just so, you're so impulsive. And so times like that, it's not ideal. But it's, it's a... It's a really good trait to have. And me and my old business partner Tyler, who had Nomad, it was our adventure company. Mm. Um, he was so slow at doing anything, but a real perfectionist. And I was so aggressively, um, like just aggressively moving forward, implement even if something wasn't perfect, I'd do it. Yeah. So actually, the business was good because it, yeah. <laughs> we balanced each other balance really each other well. Out exactly. I was really aggressive with it, and he, yeah. anytime it was really not good, he'd say that's really not good. Anytime he was being too slow, I'd be like, mate, we need to go. Yeah. so it was, a, it was a good so game. like action being an
0: action taker being an implementer is really 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 good yeah. and like sometimes considered action <laughs> like as in making sure you're attacking the right things yeah sometimes a deep breath definitely I think one thing I really really appreciate about what you just outlined is how two things it's incredibly actionable so it's stuff that people can actually stop this recording they can write stuff down they can they have a plan of action something they can follow something they can do and it will make a difference and the other thing is how simple it is it's like it's not something that's going to be expensive you don't have to go and invest a ton of money up front it's not something that only a few people can do you know who are the lucky few was it you know it's actually real tangible measurable things action steps that people can take and i really really appreciate that because i think that i think success is built from simplicity and small steps and sometimes big leaps But, you know, it's built of the basics. Sometimes it's built of the low-hanging fruit and getting that stuff covered off first. So I really, really appreciate you sharing, you know, what you shared, basically. So I kind of want to wrap things up now because you've been really generous with your time. Uh, I could chat for hours because I think there's a lot of stuff we could cover. And we should probably do a rematch at some point. If there's one thing you want people to take away, one, like, key takeaway, one key message you want to leave people with, what is it? One. (laughs) Well, wow. <laughs> I guess... Um, could be a If you've got a couple, then you know it, it's up to you.
1: I guess the biggest one that we've obviously spoke about like society, like having the, the rules that you follow and it makes you feel maybe unfulfilled is don't worry about what anyone else wants you to do. Just think about what's going to make your life better, okay? Because guys get told all the time, oh, why do you want to get bigger for? Oh, they would be so vain, or this stuff. But packing on size and getting bigger is going to make them feel more confident, happier, dominate their whole life. So... They should do that. So, whatever your goals are, just make sure they're actually your goals. Make sure you want to do them. Okay, And if you don't, scrap them. Aim higher. Do what you want to do. Biggest thing. Okay. So, as well as that, um, not you know, go, sounds a bit, um, sounds a bit like out there. Like, don't go by society's rules, but it's uh, people will try and pull you back, and you need to get what you want. You re- really, really, importantly. And the second point is kind of how to get there, and that is just stop being afraid of suffering. It's the biggest thing in everything I teach, like sacrifice and reward. Use discipline, it's the most powerful thing, and suffer. If you see a chance to cause yourself a little bit of pain, a little bit of suffering, right, going out for a walk when it's raining, small thing like that, like think, I'm not gonna go out, it's, it's tipping it down. Just switching that mindset immediately, that's just you embracing a little bit more suffering. When you just think, you know what, at the end of this shower, I'm gonna blast the cold on, and don't get fooled by the simplicity of it. This small act of just suffering a little more is huge. It will affect, You're you're training massively. You're squeezing those extra reps. It'll affect your diet. You'll skip that takeaway just because friends are having it. Like the biggest thing, just start embracing that suffering a little bit more. I really like those. They're both incredibly powerful. Like the first one, really interesting because
0: how much time do you invest? you You know, people listening how much time do we invest doing shit to please other people or stuff that mm. actually we don't really want at the end of the day when you look at it truthfully. And life is precious. You know, Time is your most precious commodity. It's a non-renewable resource. So put it into the stuff you actually want. Mm. And a lot of people don't know what that is. So get clear on it and then put the energy into the stuff you actually want. Yeah. The second thing is really amusing because I had a client, a weight loss client a couple of years ago and I was trying to get her to hit 10,000 steps amongst other actions. Just simple habits. Yeah. Uh, and... She, she she sent me a message one day saying it's raining outside what shall I do because I'm due to go for my walk and I was like get wet is that a trick I, question I think it's, I think it's like, put a coat on Yeah, or get wet but you still go out for the, the walk yeah. which leads me into another thing we talked about trackers and like you know wearable tech and stuff like that earlier and I remember reading this article about someone in the States in America of course um, who you know was tracking their steps with a Fitbit mm. and they forgot their Fitbit so they didn't go for the walk, because they couldn't (laughs) travel. I was just like, oh gosh. Anyway, anyway, so. Crazy. We've covered a lot of stuff. I think a lot of it's really, really valuable for people listening. So, you know, I just want to say an absolute huge thank you to you for being generous with your time, for being open, for being honest, and for doing the work you do. Where can people find you online? Like, you know, where can they find you to
1: read more of your stuff, to watch videos, to get in touch with you? Uh, the best thing you can do is head to Instagram or Facebook, just be at Johnny Collins UK, And I'll put links to these. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah so Instagram and Facebook at Johnny Collins UK, And then if you're, if you're serious, like if you're really serious and you're going to do what it takes, I'd watch the free video training on the site because that is just, I mean, you're not going to get any points for watching it. It's not going to make you grow. But if you're a naturally skinny guy, you want to pack on size and muscle, you want to take control of your mindset and get more confident, go to JohnnyCollinsUK.com watch the free video training and action, what it tells you to do. Okay, awesome, so I'll put links to all of those
0: uh, you know, places and you can track John, Johnny down and uh, you know ask him questions, I guess, or work with him if you want to. And then the final thing is, what are you working on at the moment? Do you have a program you're working on? Is there anything you're about to release? Anything in particular you want to highlight to people or do you feel you've covered
1: it? Uh, so right now, I just actually launched the sleeve filler system, which is, it's extremely exclusive, it sounds a bit like sassy to say, but I've just been so picky about who I let on board. It's for serious guys, and at the moment, you know, i have got a private Facebook community attached and it is incredible, just guys smashing wins, like celebrating the wins, being disciplined, growing, getting bigger, it's um, it's a good place to be. And what I'm doing is I've let the founders on board, and we're working through some stuff, but I am gonna be opening it up real soon and um, some new guys, obviously, as well as having the right goals, naturally skinny looking to pack on size and muscle i you have to be the right person right we have a community in there which is extremely positive and healthy like if you are dedicated disciplined ready to put the work in not an excuse maker not a house rabbit right then you're gonna do if you're well. a wild jaguar that's what we need that is all we need that killer instinct then yeah then the sleeve filler system it is for those guys and i guess if people follow you they'll find out about when to get access to that if that's something of interest uh, it's just so I can personally like vet people. It's more about reaching out to me specifically. And if you say, "Listen, I'm that guy you just spoke about," like, can we talk about the sleeve filler system? Then I'll probably jump on a call with you, have a good chat, see what your goals are, see where you are, um, and we'll go from there. If you, you know, if you're not the right fit, it's, it's no problem. So if you're not sure, then reach out. Even on, you know, if we jump on a call, you'll still get some good valuable advice. But if you're the right fit for the sleeve filler system, then I'm going to invite you onto the team. All right. So you heard
0: it from Johnny. Uh, go and check it out go and check out the sleeve filler system Johnny it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you very much thank you
1: very much for having me